at the University of uh, Venda, which constitute part A of our of our inquiry. Um, today we're expecting to receive testimonies from um, uh, the two former chairpersons of council, uh, Mr. Shelly Mabusela, Mrs. Shelly Mabusela, my, my apologies, and Mr. S. Maja. But before we get their presentation, we will uh, receive testimony from Mr. Victor Mavidula, who is the former lead investigator for the Commission on Gender Equality, who was responsible for conducting the investigation on a complaint that was lodged by Professor Pendler against Professor Mbati. Um, at that time, <clears throat> we know that the report has since been taken on review. A certain portion of the report has been excised, uh, but the recommendation of that report uh, remained, uh, uh, remained as it is, including that the court also directed that certain things have to happen. So we will receive a, a testimony from uh, <coughs> Mr. Mavidula. <coughs> My apologies. Um, so our interest is really to, to determine from Mr. Mavidula the process that was followed in conducting that investigation and whether that was done in line with the, the, the rules that governs the investigations by the Commission on Gender Equality and whether the university was given enough time <clears throat> to participate in that process. But before we get into that, let's find out if the apologies are the apologies, Anela? Yes, good morning, Chair. Um, we received apologies, Jefferson, from the Deputy Minister, who is having another meeting. We also received apology from Mr. Yabo, who's also attending another meeting. Uh, Ms. King also indicated that um, she'll be logging off at 11 to attend another meeting. And the last one is from uh, Ms. Marquis, who will be joining the meeting later. Thank you, Jefferson. Okay. All right. Uh, <clears throat> can we? Um, I'm not sure whether Mrs. Ngema from Legal Services is on the platform, who normally assists us with the uh, administering the oath. Uh, Fatima, I see your your video and your mic is open. Uh, welcome, Fatima. Are you going to be helping us today with the administration of the oath? Yes, Chair. Good morning, Chair. Would you like me to administer all three oaths at the same time, Chair? I think that will make it easier because I see everybody is on the platform. 
Yeah, yeah. I think, or, or maybe let's start first with uh, Mr. Mavidula. Okay. And then as soon as we are done with him, uh, and with testimony, we'll then go. Mrs. Mabusela and Mr. Maja will do them at the same time. Okay, Chen. That's fine. Um, Mr. Mavidula, can you hear me clearly? Yes, I can hear you clearly. I'm now going to administer the oath for you. You have been summoned in accordance with Section 16 of the Powers, Privileges and Immunities of Parliament and Provincial Legislatures Act of 2004 to appear before this committee as a witness and to answer questions in respect of Part A of the Oversight Inquiry into the appointment of Professor Pim Bharti as the Vice-Chancellor of the Safaka Munkatha University and related matters. Please be informed by, that by law you are required to answer fully and satisfactorily all the questions lawfully put to you or to produce any document that you are required to produce in connection with the subject matter of the inquiry, notwithstanding the fact that the answer or the document could incriminate you or expose you to criminal or civil proceedings or damages. You are, however, protected in that the evidence given under oath or affirmation before a House or committee may not be used against you in any court or place outside Parliament, except in criminal proceedings concerning a charge of perjury or a charge relating to the evidence or documents required in these proceedings. Please be aware that in terms of Section 17.2 of the Powers, Privileges and Immunities of Parliament and Provincial Legislatures Act, a person who willfully furnishes a House or committee with information or makes a statement before it which is false or misleading commits an offence and is liable to a fine or imprisonment for a period not exceeding two years. You are required to now either take an oath or affirm that the evidence you are about to give is truthful. You may choose whether to take the oath or the affirmation. Which do you prefer? I affirm. Okay, if you can please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I solemnly affirm that the evidence that I shall give that the evidence that I shall give shall be the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Shall be the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Thank you, sir. You are now sworn in. <clears throat> okay. Thank you very much, Fatima, for assisting us with the swearing in. Uh, Mr. Mavidula, Welcome. Uh, we are glad that you are able to make it. <clears throat> we had wanted you to come sometime last week. Uh, we were informed that uh, you are not available, you are traveling. And uh, so we had to postpone or reschedule your appearance. Uh, thank you very much for coming. <clears throat> We have received your statement because the committee has been in contact with yourself regarding your appearance into this, to this inquiry uh, relating the appointment of Professor Mbati. Um, we, I am going to invite you uh, to read into the record your statement, after which I'm going to open up for members to ask you questions. Uh, are you ready for that? 
Yes, I'm ready to do that. <clears throat> okay. Um, over to you, Mr. Mavidula. Thank you very much. Um, I'm an adult male currently employed by the African Human Rights Commission as a provincial manager for Limpopo province and a former acting head of the legal department at the Commission for Gender Equality, a position that I occupied from August 27, 2007 to July uh, 2012. I am an admitted attorney of the High Court of South Africa with more than 14 years of investigation experience on criminal sexual harassment, gender-based violence, and human rights violation matters. Save when stated to the contrary, or where it is so appears from the context, all facts hearing stated fall within my personal knowledge and are to the best of my knowledge and believe both true and correct. The CGE received and registered a complaint from sexual, for, of sexual harassment from Professor Pendler, the complainant, in May 2011 against the then vice chancellor of the University of Venda, Professor Mbati, the respondent. The complaint, the complaint was lodged directly to the CGE head office. After assessment of the complaint, I decided that because of its high profile nature, I should lead the investigation with the support from the from Limbobo CGE provincial office. I set up a consultation, a consultation meeting with the complainant to gather all relevant evidence related to the alleged sexual harassment complaint. During the consultation, the complainant submitted all relevant information supporting her allegations. After consultation with the complainant, I was satisfied that, that there were sufficient evidence to support allegation of sexual harassment against the respondent and should be given against the respondent, and he should be given an opportunity to respond to the allegation. I then wrote a letter, I then wrote allegation letter to the respondent requesting him to reply within specific time frame. The respondent failed to meet the deadline and requested extension, which was granted. When, there is, when the CGE finally received response from the respondent, there were allegations that the respondent did not provide satisfactory answers to the allegation, by the way. As a lead investigator on the matter, I decided to set up a meeting with the respondent to afford him an opportunity to respond to the allegations against him or provide, him, uh, pro provide his side of the story. I went to the investor vendor with the CGA Limpopo legal officer to meet with the respondent and other witnesses who were mentioned by the complainant in her st statement and or during the consultation. During the interviews with the respondent, with the respondent in his office, he denied all allegations and of sexual harassment leveled against him. He also denied that he had a romantic relationship with the, with the complainant. However, he failed to explain the romantic text messages he sent to the complainant during the time of the alleged sexual harassment. 
Other witnesses, including the human resource manager, human resource manager and legal advisor of the university, the late advocate Lidobo, did not want to give any details or assist with the information that would have assisted the investigation. However, they both failed to explain how the complainant was charged based on the forensic report that was compiled by Deloitte and Touch and faced the disciplinary hearing without her being given, being provided with the said report to appear, to prepare for her defense. They also failed to provide explanation as to why university failed to comply with its own sexual harassment policy when dealing with the complainant lodged, the complaint lodged by the complainant. During the investigation, the CG, the CG also wrote a letter, allegation letter to the university council because the complainant lodged, alleged that she also lodged their complaint with the university council, but the council failed to implement the university's sexual harassment policy. As far as I know, the council failed to respond to the allegations, to the, to the allegation letter from the CGE. Based on the evidence present, presented by the relevant witnesses, I strongly believe that the university council had sufficient evidence to charge the respondent for sexual harassment. Same would have been, same would have, would have would have provided the respondent with an opportunity to present his side of the story and clear his name if the allegations were incorrect. But instead, the council chose to allow the respondent to use the university resources to fight the complainant, knowing that in most cases, the victims of sexual harassment are more vulnerable in our society and many of them are reluctant to report such cases for fear of victimization. In the draft investigative report, it was recommended that the Minister of Higher Education must take action against the University Council for failing to implement sexual harassment policies, policy after receiving a complaint against the respondent. The investigation was completed before I resigned uh, the investigation was completed before I resigned from the, the, from the CGE and the draft report was finalized and submitted to the CGE after I joined the South African Human Rights Commission in July 2012. That is all I can say about this matter and I still stand by the recommendation made in the draft investigative report I have submitted. Signed at Pulugwane, at Pulugwane on the 27th day of August 2020 by Azudini Victor Mavidu, the deponent. Okay, thank you very much, Mr. Mavidula, uh, for the statement. Uh, but before I open up for members to ask you questions, <clears throat> can I just uh, verify a couple of things? Uh, you say you wrote a letter to the university council asking them to respond to the allegations and the university council failed to respond. 
How much time did you give them to respond to those allegations? Uh, please just unmute yourself, Mr. Mavidula. Yes, I, I, I think we gave them a very a sufficient time because we were guided by, normally when we, we, we conduct our investigation, we give them, sometimes we used to give them more than, more than 10 days, 18 days, but we gave them a plenty of time to answer, the, 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 to, I mean, to respond to the allegation later. And from our side, the letter that we have written to them was just as a request, as a request information why the council failed to act. Because in terms of their own policy, we looked at the policy, we found that when the allegations of sexual harassment police are reported, they are, they, there is a procedure that needs to be followed. So we, we gave them a, a very plenty, a plenty time to answer, but uh, I can't remember it. You'll remember that this matter happened some almost 10 years ago. So, but we gave them a sufficient time to respond. Okay, so you confirm that you ask them to respond in line with the rules that governs the, uh, the processes that you have to follow in investigating any complaint? Yes, yes. Okay. There is a, <clears throat> an allegation by the university that the reason why they went to court to review your report is because they've not been given enough time to respond to uh, the allegations. What would you say to that allegation? Um, they, 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 it, it must be noted that that, info, that that cannot be correct. As I've indicated, I was not aware of those allegations because when they went to court, I was not, I was no longer part of the of the of the of the CGE. But if you look at my report here, I've indicated that even the respondent requested that uh, to, to us to re requested us to extend uh, requested us to extend the time period that we have given him to respond. We agreed. It was not from our side when we were we, we investigated. We were, we were trying by all means to give each and every party an opportunity to 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 to, to respond. That's why we even ourselves, as the as the Commission for Gender Equality, we have I have to travel to investor vendor just to to reduce inconvenience to the respondent. We went straight to his office and sit down with him. So the opportunity for to the university was there. There was no way that we can finalize investigation with without giving the respondent an opportunity to respond. It's not it's not correct. I deny that allegation. Okay. <clears throat> uh, thank you very much. Um, you also say that you you interviewed the director of human resources. You interviewed uh, the legal advisor, <clears throat> and uh, you also interviewed um, uh, Professor Mbati. But you say something about. <clears throat> about them not explaining why the university is not able to comply with its own sexual harassment policy. Um, now, are you familiar with the sexual harassment, uh, the sexual harassment policy of the university? Yes, uh, at that, that time, 
uh, I went through the policy because what, what we do when we investigate all matters, uh, when there are allegations of sexual harassment in any institution, the first thing that you will do, you will receive an allegation, gather all the information from the respondent, from, so from the complainant. You have to go back now to the internal police of the institution. You have to familiarize yourself with that particular. We have to. We have, we have done that. We, we have familiarized ourselves with the with the policy, just to ascertain whether the university have complied with its own policy. And from that point, that is where we realized that there was non-compliant. And as it as a result of that, we then have to approach the HR manager of the university because in terms of the policy. He had a role to play in that in, in the sexual harassment case. The, the legal advice of the university also because it, it, I, we, we felt that he is very close to the to the system to the to the to the is part of the management of the university. In fact, we were referred to him by the HR manager after interviewing him because we wanted to get some what is the position of the human of, of, the, of the of the of the university. Then that is where there was no no cooperation. But the most important thing that we, 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 I, must, I can confirm is that the policy at that time indicated that after receiving the allegation, there were steps that were supposed to be taken and those steps were not taken. Why do you think those steps were not taken? If you were to give us your opinion. Yeah, because let, let's, let, let's assume uh, uh, the, in, terms of the, in terms of the policy, just that now I don't have the policy. If, for example, the policy is saying, when you receive the allegation of sexual harassment, this must be referred, for example, to the HR manager of the, of, of the institution. The HR manager must do A, B, and C. And then in this case, you find that the, 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 the complainant reported the matter to the, the allegation to the, to, the, to, the, to the university council, to the HR, to the to the to the to the to, to the investment council and the HR, but none of them, they are taking they are not taking any step that is outlined in the policy. That is what we call non-compliance because poly, poly, uh, 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 allegation or cases of sexual harassment are very much sensitive, and that's why they should be dealt with speedily. Because if if for example you are in the position of power. And somebody report allegations. I report you for sexual harassment. If that no action is taken, you are given that the, 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 the respondent an opportunity to get rid of that particular individual as quickly as possible. Because if no action is taken, that person will be in any. I've investigated many matters related to sexual harassment, but what we know is that. The moment you 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 report sexual harassment case, you must know that you are paving your way out of the institution. Something that we as a country I felt that this must come to an end. Okay, I want to read it to you. The the relevant portion of the sexual harassment policy, which is clause five point two. And it reads as follows, 5.2 formal procedure. In cases, of, in cases of mediation where a mediator is unable to resolve the complaint within 10 working days, 
The complainant may lodge a written complaint with the Human Resources Department as early as possible. A Human Resources Department shall 5.2.1 call for a report from the mediator where mediation was attempted. 5.2.2 request the alleged offender to respond in writing to the allegations made against him or her and submit the same in line with the disciplinary procedure manual. 5.2.3, if there is any prima facie case of misconduct, the director of human resources will assist the relevant head of department to draft a charge sheet in terms of the disciplinary procedure manual. So this is the relevant portion of, uh, so you confirm that none of these things happened. Yeah, I, I confirm that, uh, but I am the only person that I'm no longer sure about uh, is whether there was, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, because I cannot be certain this matter happened a long time ago. The issue of mediation was supposed to take place. I think that that did not happen also. But even if, it, it, but what happened is that if you, you look at the reason now why we approach the HR manager, the policy outlined step by step what the, 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 the HR manager should do. And then the question is, it means that if the mediation collapsed, now the HR manager was supposed to follow all those steps. The, 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 to, my, uh, to my knowledge, the, 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 the respondent was not even charged by the university. That's what I'm saying. The university itself failed to create an opportunity for the respondent to clear all this, 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 this uh, allegation. Because now the question is, our focus was much on what might have happened. But when we see the, 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 the SMSs between the respondent and the complainant, there's no question. There was, there was no question whether there was a relationship or not. There was something that was going on. Looks as, as, a, as a, I think it was a relationship between the two because those messages were clearly indicating what was happening between them. All right. Um, let me just say to you that we uh, received the testimony of the director of uh, human resources at the time and we asked him why he did not initiate the steps that are mentioned in the policy. And he did explain that the complaint was not submitted to him. It was submitted to council. He says ordinarily when the complaint against employees um, happen, it's submitted to him. Right. <clears throat> it's submitted to him, but this one, uh, it was submitted to the higher body, which is a council, because it dealt with uh, a complaint against uh, his supervisor, his senior, and therefore he was not involved. And it is council that was supposed to follow all the procedures that are detailed in this step-by-step uh, -step process which, as you say, 
there is no indication that council has complied with the uh, with the the steps as in the policy. I just want to find out and get a sense as to when uh, because my memory is not, I'm trying to get a date when the, the alleged actions happened uh, up to a point where it was reported to yourself. So you say it was reported to the Commission on Gender Equality in May 2011. 2011, yes. Do you remember when uh, when the, comp the actual complaint was laid with cancer? No, I, I don't remember exactly, but uh, I remember that the, 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 the complainant indicated that she has raised this with the council of the university and the, the council is not doing anything. But, but uh, just to comment on the HR manager's uh, 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 understanding that he could not do anything uh, simple because the matter was reported to the council. If, 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 if that is the approach, then I, I think we are still going to fail a lot of people on, uh, on, gen on sexual harassment cases, cases in the workplace. Why? why? Because it was not, I, I, I think, because the, council, the, the, the HR manager was aware of what is happening for whatever reason, even myself as a, as a staff member, right, as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a provincial head of the Human Rights Commission here in the province, if a staff member is using a wrong procedure to lodge a grievance, I think if that is within my, 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 my terrain as the HR manager, how I can assist the staff member to follow the right channels. We can't defeat the, 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 the we can't leave the, 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 the a staff member who reported sexual harassment cases because she failed to use the, the correct procedures. We, we have to assist because the intention should be to clear the name, to, to clear the air, what exactly happened. Because if, if, if we can't just leave the case because somebody have reported, the, it's like when you are saying, because you reported me to the chairperson, I'm not going to do anything. This matter has reported the chairperson of the, of the Human Rights Commission, I'm no longer going to do anything. It is wrong. The, there is a support that should be provided to the victim of sexual harassment cases in the uh, uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. That support was was not given to the complainant. That's why I'm saying when we approach the 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 the, 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 the legal advice of the university, there was no cooperation. They would, could not been given any information. We sat down with with him. We also went to the HR manager. There was no provision of information, but. All of them, they did, could not give us anything, but they were aware of the case. The question was, what is that they were doing? Because they were aware of this case that is going on, but what should be done? Okay. Maybe my, uh, maybe two remaining questions for my side. Um, <clears throat> you say that you have a, you have interviewed both Professor Mbati and Professor Pendler, and you were given access to the communication between them. And uh, <clears throat> you say, in your view, uh, there was something going on between them. 
based on those uh, those uh, exchanges. Did I hear you properly? Yes. The, 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 yes, you, you got me right. The conclusion was there was a relationship. Between yes, that was also, that was also our conclusion as the Human Rights Commission, sorry, as the, you'll understand, as the Commission for Gender Equality. How the, then the question that we were then asking ourselves, was this a consensual, a, a, a consensual relationship? Or it was under it was the 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 the, the, or the the respondent was coerced into having this particular relationship. That was the question that we felt that this can be clarified through a disciplinary hearing against the respondent, because if there are two, people, you will understand the balance of powers between the two. So once there is that kind of situation, there will be a need. For the parties, we 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 understand that people can feel, fall in love at the workplace. It's not for us to get in, to involved. But when there are these challenges, that is where we should follow that particular road. Okay. Uh, I think uh, just just unmute yourself, there, Mr. Mavidul. Uh, you are muted. Eh? Yeah. Sorry, I didn't okay. get the question. Okay. No, no, it wasn't a question. I just, I just wanted to indicate to you that I can see that you are speaking, but we can't hear you. So you have been muted. Oh, okay. No, no problem. Yeah, I think, I think uh, uh, that 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 for me was the last question. Um, okay, yeah, no, for me it was. Uh, I see there are no hands, so I think members are fine. Uh, oh, Honorable Litsi and Honorable Mananiso, and then we move. Uh, Honorable Litsi. Raken, such a person. Leganda de Mavidula. Rana Leganda. No, we're fine. Um, on paragraph 17 of your statement, uh, you know that the University Council. Uh, chose to allow the respondent, uh, uh, Professor Mbati, to use the university resources to fight the complainant, Professor Pendler. Uh, can you kindly explain this statement? Uh, this is uh, what happened. Uh, the, 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 there is the, the university received complaints against the respondent of sexual harassment. That is outside of the scope of his, his duty. So why should then the university stand side by side with the complainant, with the respondent, to fight this case, employing the best legal brain in the country, fighting this case? It should not be that way. Because one, one, if I'm accused, of wrongdoing, if it's related to my work, yes, it's fine. But if it's something that is related to sexual harassment, the Human Rights Commission where I'm working today should not give me even a single cent to fight that case. Instead, the university was, they was supposed to support the victim of sexual harassment, but on the contrary, they're doing something opposite to their mandate. So that is why I'm saying 
it was wrong for the university even to pop out a cent, even to employ legal legal legal, legal minds or, or or advocate to represent the to represent themselves in this case. The the, the whole case was it was it was the, the reason why the case did not move. You will understand that the complainant did not have even resources to. To, to, to employ the legal services. I remember at some stages she wanted to go to labor care because at that time she was threatened now losing her job. She didn't even have a legal representative. So now, you, you know, it goes back to the issue, the balance of powers when we come to the cases of sexual harassment. Yeah. It's a matter of who, is, who has the powers. So if you, have, you are more powerful, accessing the resources, You'll fight your you'll fight your case to the end, but the victim who does not have the resources will then have to lose everything. That is what happened in this particular case. All this thing is because the council failed to give a, a proper direction on how we should deal with this with this uh, with this complaint. And again, in, in our recommendation to say that the minister must intervene, the man the minister has to intervene because. The, the CG had been trying to communicate with the council, university council, requesting them to make sure to create a platform where this matter will be will, will be clarified, but that was not done. So that is where I feel there was a uh, there was a there was abuse of resources to fight a, a case that was not related to them to the mandate of the university. Okay, just to just to uh, get you clear, what you are saying is that. Um, the university paid for Professor Mbati's legal fees, who was an employee of the university at the time, but did not pay for Professor Pendler's legal fees, who was also um, the employee of the university of the time. What I can say is that because I didn't say who paid the, 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 the fees of Professor Mbati, but what I can say is that University was using resources, fighting side by side with Professor Mbati, fighting the complainant, fighting the victim of, of sexual harassment. I mean, that is that is that should be a, 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 that should be shocking because if the, the the matter has been reported to the university and now the university is standing with the, is on the side of the of 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 the of the, of the, of the respondent, then that is where I find I find to, that to be a bit strange, maybe because. Of my background working with the with the, with the gender-based violence cases and all those things, I just feel sometimes this case would have been handled differently should the university conduct itself in a manner that promote or protect uh, or fight gender-based violence, be joining in the fight of against gender-based violence. <clears throat> okay. Um... You've also indicated that you resigned from uh, CGE and joined SHRC in July of 2012. And as the former lead investigator, were you invited by the CGE to take part on the review process? Or was there was an affidavit sought from you to form part of uh, the application? Yes, I, I, I still remember that I, I was invited just to confirm the report because I finalize, I'm the one who finalized the report. You will understand that the, once the report is finalized, it has to go, for it to be issued, it has to go through 
channels within the CGE, it has to be approved by the commissioners and everything. So at the time when I left the commission, that process was not yet done. But I think during the review process by the court, I was just asked to confirm what the content of the report because it was sent to me. And I said, yes, I stand by this report. This is the correct information that we've gathered during investigation. It's a true reflection of what we've gathered during the, the investigation. Okay, then can you share with us the basis for CGE to agree to a settlement with Univen to excise certain portions uh, of, of the report? I, I, I won't be able to, to, to give the to, 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 to give any reason or why the CGE have uh, agreed on certain portion of the report because that was not communicated with me because maybe it's because I was no longer part and parcel of the CGE, then they proceed the way maybe they didn't fit. But I don't know why they've agreed. But I'm sure that if I was to be given an opportunity to defend the report, I was going to defend the report successfully because I think everything that we, are, we have done when we investigated the matter, it was above board. There was nothing, there were, there were no loopholes because some of the cases that we, that are being thrown out of the court, my special cases related to gender-based violence, it starts with the investi- how the investigation was conducted. I know as a lawyer that the investigation part of any criminal matter or any matter, whether civil or whatever, the investigation part is very crucial. How you start investigation can make you to be successful to get a, a, the, a I mean, positive outcome in court. But if you mess up with the investigation, it can also defeat your the outcome. Okay. So um, lastly, just uh, to recap what, what you've just said, is that uh, if you are given an opportunity, you, you would have defended uh, the report and you would, you would not have agreed that certain portions of your report uh, be excised uh, in, the, in that review court process. Yes, I, I, unfortunately, I don't know the portion that had been... Uh, 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 that had been uh, uh, that had been agreed or uh, deleted, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But what I can say is that when when we conduct investigation, as the institution, you will understand that we are we are executing a constitutional mandate. So as a result of that, it means that even if you don't want to respond to us, we will use our powers to 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 get information from you but you will understand that the power sometimes it is up to us if you you don't want to talk it does not mean that there can be no negative findings against you because there are allegations that are clear answer to this allegation let us not go that side and that side if the police of the university is saying please if victor is charged with sexual harassment this is what you must do then if you don't do that, you are, you are breaching your own policy. Then the question will be, why the university failed to comply with its own policy? I think that is the question that we are even asking ourselves today. Why the university failed to, uh, to, to comply with its own policy? No, I think that's all, uh, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Honorable uh, uh, Mananiso. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. 
Uh, let me start by welcoming our witness, uh, Mr. Mavidula. And one wants to appreciate the fact that uh, when he spoke, he, he captured the minds of women in South Africa about them uh, being afraid to actually open cases because of issues of vulnerability and the issues of uh, people who are supposed to protect them in any institution being reluctant. So I, I think that shows that you are really, really interested to ensure that we create a safe environment for this particular country and women in particular. Uh, Chairperson, on what uh, Mr. Mavidula has responded on, on most of the questions of vulnerability I'm partly covered. However, one needs to wants to say to Mr. Mavedula, can he repeat or actually on his opinion tell us whether according to him was the council reluctant or where the, does the council had no appetite to deal with this particular issue? And second, the second one is with regards to HR as the custodian of institution in terms of uh, policy compliance and implementation. Can he tell us whether the HR manager has decimally failed in terms of ensuring that they protect uh, the victim? Yes or no? Thank you, Chair. Mr. Mavidula? Yeah, thank, thank you very much. What I can say is that the, firstly, I, 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 my, my, my view is that the HR of the university uh, decimally failed to implement its own policy. And uh, maybe they didn't understand the magnitude of this particular case because uh, so far, I must say this, I think this is a very serious matter because I know that in this country, the issue of gender-based violence is a very serious one. Uh, we are dealing with a, a professor here. The question that we need to ask ourselves, if a professor reported a case and she ended up being kicked out from the system, imagine a situation where a cleaner who is working for university, a lecturer, a supporting staff from the university. I don't see any of them being in the position to report sexual harassment cases again at this particular university. It's a very serious setback to our fight against gender-based violence. It might be seen as if it's affecting one individual, but with us who are dealing with the case, related to gender-based violence every day, would like to see action being taken, a platform being created so that people who are accused of gender-based violence will be able to clear their names. However, if institutions are not willing, institutions such as university, as institution of higher learning, is not interested on a matter such as this one, this country will not win. Our, the fight against gender-based violence. Our women will always be kicked out of the system. If you are a woman, you are being abused or sexually harassed in the workplace, once you open your mouth or try to report the matter, 
you must know that you are out. And this is not for the first time, by the way, because in many cases, we all know that there are many cases that we have so many women who have lost their jobs because they report gender-based violence cases in the workplace or sexual harassment cases. So I feel that the university together with the HR manager and the council, I think they failed the country. They failed the complainant. They failed women on, on, in this country. Okay, thank you very much. We <clears throat> just as a concluding comments from my side. Talk questions. Now, um, there were two people who investigated or who had access to information regarding uh, the matter. It's yourself from the Commission on Gender Equality who investigated a complaint of Professor Pendler and it was uh, Mr. Lavar Modisi who was also appointed as the mediator to mediate uh, the dispute between the two. And both of you come to the same conclusion. Although a little bit of a difference here and there, but the conclusion is the same. Uh, <clears throat> Mr. Lavar Mudise says, based on the information at his disposal, and he put that in his report, he says that uh, there was a, there was a sexual relationship between Professor Pendler and Professor Mbati uh, because he had access to the information. He interviewed Professor Pendler. In his uh, explanatory affidavit, he goes to town to explain why he came to that conclusion. Uh, he says that uh, initially Professor Mbati was uh, denying, but when he approached him about the very detailed information about a number of things, Professor Mbati then sort of uh, confessed, uh, so to speak, I'm just paraphrasing, it's not, it may not be the actual way that he used. He confessed to the existence of a relationship uh, <clears throat> now, you are saying today that because based on uh, the information that was available at your disposal, your interview with Professor Pendler, your interview with Professor Mbati, and the access to the WhatsApp, not WhatsApp, uh, communication, uh, text messages or WhatsApp. I don't know whether it was WhatsApp or text, but those messages. You are also coming to the conclusion that there was a relationship. Now, you say that the question that had to be determined by the disciplinary committee had to be whether this relationship was consensual or this relationship was, uh, there was some kind of harassment. Uh, that's what you say. <clears throat> now, Dr. Chitareke, who was working as the advisor or the director in the office of the vice chancellor, came here last week and he told us when he, that when he confronted Professor Mbati, uh, Professor Mbati confessed to him 
but indeed there was a relationship between him and Professor Pendler. Judge Mushwana, the judge who was presiding over the labor, labor uh, court application, uh, <clears throat> make some remarks in that case that there seemed to have been a relationship which went sour. But he does not agree that there was a, there was a sexual harassment. But he does come to a conclusion that there was a, there was a consensual relationship. The relationship went sour. The council of the university, when they decided not to pursue the matter, they accepted the report of Mr. Lavaru Mudise, which report says there was a consensual relationship. And council accepted that as was advised by Mr. Masheo. So a number of people who investigated, who came into contact with this, all of them agree that there was a relationship. Uh, <clears throat> but to date, we know that Professor Mbati is denying. He's the only one who is still denying after everybody else that we have interviewed, that we have come to contact with their, their information comes to the same conclusion. What, what would you say to that? That uh, it's not only yourself, it's a couple of people who, who says that the relationship existed, but what we know, don't know, which is what had to be determined by the disciplinary committee, was whether that relationship was consensual or there was a harassment. So that one we don't know, but we accept we accept uh, the conclusion that was made by Judge Mushwana that there was no uh, sexual harassment, but the relationship exists. Now, what would you say in terms of uh, <clears throat> the ethical conduct of a person who's in the position of a vice chancellor of a university like Professor Mbati was? having a relationship with a subordinate in a workplace. Is that something that is acceptable in your view? What does it say about uh, the ethical conduct of such a person? Um, I, I, I must say this, uh, uh, as, as now, because I, I'm, I'm, we must understand that there's no law that people, that prevent people uh, from having a relationship to start their family and all those things. And I don't think even if we, there are so many other people that work together, start a relationship and start the family, it is allowed. But in case where a victim or an, an, a party to that particular relationship is alleging that it was not voluntarily for me to get into this relationship, I was coerced because of the power play between the, power, the parties. That particular relationship become unethical. What, what, what does that mean? It means that when, if, if, if for, for example, I've never met with these other colleagues that you have mentioned, 
and I have come to the conclusion that there was a relationship. And now, even the judge, we are saying that the judge indicated that there was a relationship. I think that was evident enough to say, okay, for the for the for the for the for the university now to go forward, they have to establish was this consensual or it was something that the 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 the, the the vice chancellor abuses powers to a staff member. Then the only way to get to that point to establish that it was going to be through a disciplinary process that the university felt that it was not necessary because now even if other institution, maybe other institution now like the labor, the labor court might have been dealing with this matter from a laid back perspective. We are dealing with that from a gender-based violence. So which, which means that ours was going to look at, our investigation was looking at whether there was a harassment. Yes, already there, the, the facts are there that there were SMSs that they, they were exchanging, SMS and all those things. But we put this to the complainant. Why these SMSs? Then she managed to explain, this is what happened. But when we go to the to the to the respondent, he was unable. He was unable. We I met with him with, together with my colleague in his office. Then we put this in evidence of SMSs in, in to him that these are the SMSs. He didn't deny that the number is, is his number that was used. He didn't deny uh, that it it was his. He, he sent those SMSs, but he denied the relationship. Then the message are showing that those people have a romantic relationship. So why is he hiding this particular truth? Simple because once we get to that point where he agreed, then the next step will be to establish whether this was consensual or not. And the, 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 the complainant has massive evidence to show that this was not consensual. She explained to us what happened from day one. Even when the, the, when the, the, the respondent she even alleged that when she was trying to get some of the things assigned off for her to attend some of the meeting, the vice chancellor was refusing. And those are the things that, work, that happened in the workplace. The vice chancellor was refusing for her to attend some of the meeting. The vice chancellor was difficult for everything until she was coerced into this. And when she was in the relationship, the vice chancellor started processing her things properly with no difficulty and everything. The respondent, the, the complainant had evidence to that. That's why we felt that if it was that time and the complainant was given an opportunity to present this to the DC, I believe that Professor Mbati was not going to finish his term at the university because she had a massive evidence against him. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. <clears throat> Mr. Mavidula. Thanks Thank for coming to us. Um, we appreciate the evidence that you have given to us, and uh, we will. Uh, we hope that your evidence will help us to um, uh, <clears throat> deal with the matter that is before this portfolio committee that we are handling through the inquiry. And thank you very much for your effort, and thanks for agreeing to come back to us after your visit from outside of the country. Uh, this then brings us to the end of your evidence. You are now released, uh, Mr. Mavidula. 
You can continue to stay with us on the platform or you can attend to your other matters. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will just excuse myself because I have to accept the memorandum outside from the from the from the ANC that they are marching to our office. So I have All to accept the memorandum. <laughs> yes. Thank okay. you. Okay, thank, thank you very much. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, <clears throat> thank you. Um, Fatima, are you still around? Yes, Chi, I'm here. Okay, can you please uh, help us to administer an oath on uh, Mrs. Mabusela and Mr. Maja? I think I saw their names on the platform. They should be still on the platform. Um, Mr. Ms. Mabusela, can I please confirm that you can hear me clearly? Ms. Mabusela, can I request that you kindly switch on your video and audio, please? Um, I can see you on the platform, Chair. I see, I see the name of uh, Shailima Visela on the platform. I don't know whether she's able to hear you. Mrs. Mavusela, can you please unmute and switch on your video? Okay, let me see if I can unmute her from my side. No, I can't. <clears throat> okay. Oh, yeah. I can see her now. Okay. Can you please unmute, Mrs. Mabusel? We we can see you now. Uh, we can see you are speaking, but we can't hear you. Just uh, unmute yourself. Eh? Okay. She's struggling to unmute herself. Uh, Mr. Maja, are you also on the platform? Mr. Maja, are you here? Okay, Anele, I don't know whether you have Mrs. Mabusela's number. Yes, I am. Oh, Mr. Maja is here. Yes. Ms. Oh, Ms. Mabusela, is, uh, the mic is off. It's on, but uh, we can't hear you. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Uh, Fatima, can we administer an oath on Mr. Maja? Because at least we can hear him. I think the video is on. Uh, Anel, try to get hold of Mrs. Mabusela so that you can... We can attempt to see. The mic is, is not is, is on now, but we can hear Mrs. Mabusela. So Anele, please just try and communicate with Mrs. Mabusela and see if we can uh, get her to reconnect. And uh, maybe she, she can do that with audio because maybe it's because she did not uh, log in with audio. Let's start with uh, Mr. Maja, uh, Fatima. Thank you, Chief. 
Mr. Maja, can you hear me clearly? Yes, I can. I'm now going to administer the oath. Yeah, just can a minute. I just ask that, that you move your camera slightly because I, I cannot see your face. Thank you. That's much better. Thank you. Sir, you have been summoned in accordance with Section 16 of the Powers, Privileges and Immunities of Parliament and Provincial Legislatures Act 2004 to appear before this committee as a witness and to answer questions in respect of Part A of the Oversight Inquiry into the appointment of Professor P. Mbati as the Vice-Chancellor of the Safaka Mukatha University and related matters. Please be informed that by law you are required to answer fully and satisfactorily all the questions lawfully put to you or to produce any document that you are required to produce in connection with the subject matter of the inquiry, notwithstanding the fact that the answer or the document could incriminate you or expose you to a criminal or civil proceedings or damages. You are, however, protected in that evidence given under oath or affirmation before a house or committee may not be used against you in any court or place outside parliament, except in criminal proceedings concerning a charge of perjury or a charge relating to the evidence or documents required in these proceedings. Please be aware that in terms of section 17.2 of the powers, privileges and immunities of parliament and provincial legislatures act, a person who willfully furnishes a house or committee with information or makes a statement before it, which is false or misleading, commits an offense and is liable to a fine or imprisonment for a period not exceeding two years. You are required to take either an oath or affirmation that the evidence you are about to give is truthful. You may choose whichever you prefer. Uh, what, what would you like to take, sir, the oath or the affirmation? Oh, I'd like to take the oath. May I kindly ask you to please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I swear that the evidence I shall give. I swear that the evidence I shall give. Shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. So help me God. You are now sworn in, sir. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Fatima. Can we try uh, Mrs. Mabusela once more? Ms. Mabusela, are you, uh, are you able to... Uh, sorry, Chair, um, yeah? I think there's an issue with the mic, so I'm just trying to assist her um, at the moment. I think the problem is with her microphone in her, de in her device. Okay, it's possible that when she logged in, she did not log in with audio. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to, to, to join again. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, can, we, uh, can we adjourn for, say, five minutes, have a body break, as we allow uh, Mrs. Mabusela to rejoin? I would like that... Um, well, I, I prefer that Mr. Maja and Mrs. Mabusela just be sworn in at the same time. And uh, 
both of them, they can uh, read through their statement. And then we can ask questions later to both of them so that we save time. We have got um, about three hours until one. So um, let's adjourn now. It's about, uh, say, 16 minutes past 10. Let's do a five minutes body break. We'll be back at 21 minutes past 10 o'clock as we allow Mrs. Mabusela to come back. Don't lock, don't uh, leave the meeting, please. Just remain in the meeting. We're just gonna break for a short while and come back. Mr. Maja, uh, our apologies. You can see we're trying to get your former colleague back on the platform. Okay. Uh, but you remain under oath. That's fine. Okay, uh, we, we are adjourned for about five minutes. We'll be back. Thank you.
Anele, are we fine now with Mrs. Mabusela? Mrs. Mabusela, you're on the platform. Sorry, Chair, she's uh, trying to join again, Chairperson. I'm with her on the line. Okay. You need another two minutes. Okay, let's give you more time. Uh, two minutes, 25 past 10. We back on. Okay, uh, we are back on. Um, <clears throat> there, is there still a problem with uh, Mrs. Mabusela? Uh, Chair, uh, yes. Um, the issue with the laptop, Chairperson, I think there's a, there's a problem, but I'm still with her on the line. But the issue is with her laptop, um, the audio settings in her laptop, because we can, we can, she can hear the meeting, but when she talks, um, she, we, can, we are unable to hear her. Okay. Ask her to log in with audio when she joins. Yes, I did, Chair, I did. Okay. Uh, Mrs. Mabusela, can you hear us now? Okay, I think while she's she's um, uh, still logging in, uh, let's let's proceed. Uh, Fatima will will you uh, will ask you to come back a bit later. Uh, yeah, I think let's start with Mr. Maja and then 
After that, we will uh, see if we can uh, ask Fatima to help us to administer the oath on Mrs. Mavusela. Mr. Maja, uh, I think we, we are going to start with yourself. Uh, you have been invited to come and give testimony uh, in these proceedings um, as a former chairperson of council. Um, and before as a former chairperson of the finance committee of council, um, you were there when uh, the issues that we are talking about uh, were happening. So we will ask you to have received a copy of your uh, statement. So we're going to ask you to read the statement into record. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you, Chair. As you rightly pointed out, I did uh, compile a statement which I forwarded to you some time back uh, around August last year. So I will then go into the statement just, just to read uh, the statement that I forwarded to you. I joined the University of Vendor Council in 2009 as a member, and uh, I was then elected as chair of the Finance Committee of, of Council. And in 2014, I was elected as chairperson of Council. Although I, it, I will not provide answers to all the issues, I will, however, attempt to deal with two allegations, namely, uh, Professor Pendler's sexual harassment allegations against the Vice Chancellor and Principal, Professor Mbati. The whole saga chair started when the investor vendor, Nehau Union, brought to the attention of the investing management the allegations of corruption, which resulted in the appointment of Clean Shop to provide cleaning services on the university campus. Deloitte was appointed to conduct forensic investigations and provided a report which found that there was no compliance with procurement processes and that Professor Pendler was paid money to influence the appointment of Clean Shop. Forensic report further recommended that Professor Pendler and another senior manager be subjected to disciplinary processes. Professor Pendler was being charged of corruption was facing charges of corruption and subjected to disciplinary processes. When the disciplinary processes were still underway, Professor Pendler submitted a grievance to the chairperson of council, then Ms. Mrs. Shelley Mabusela, indicating that she was sexually harassed by the then vice chancellor and principal of the University of Venda, Professor Mbati. On 5th October 2011, the chairperson of council, Ms. Shelley Mabusela, convened an executive committee meeting of council to consider Professor Pendler's grievance. Exco took a resolution to abide by the university grievance procedures and policy on sexual harassment. The meeting further agreed that labor experts should be employed in the matter. Consequent to the above meeting, Lava Mudiso was appointed to mediate over the dispute of sexual harassment between Professor Mbati 
and Professor Pendler, which was in line with the sexual uh, harassment policy of the university. On 4 November 2011, the chairperson of council, Ms. Mabusel, convened another meeting in which EXCO noted that the disciplinary hearing of Professor Pendler was finalized by way of a dismissal outcome. Lavarimudi's mediation report was tabled and accepted by EXCO. The report indicated that the mediation process failed to resolve sexual harassment dispute between Professor Pendler and Professor Mbati. EXCO was also informed that the allegations against Professor Mbati were also reported to the South African Police Service. As a result, EXCO resolved to allow South African Police Service to complete their investigation of the matter without any interference from us. On 5th May 2012, the Director of Public Prosecutions issued a certificate indicating that there was no case to answer against Professor Mbati. During the meeting of 15 June 2012, the Chairperson of Council reported that she, she received communication in the form of an email from the Commission of Gender Equality requesting information about Professor Pendler's sexual harassment complaint, and that she responded to them that she would respond when she gets more information regarding Professor Pendler's complaint. I took over the office as the chairperson of the University of Vendor Council in November 2014. On or about 26 March 2015, I received a letter from the Office of the Minister of Higher Education and Training, Honorable Dr. B. Inzimande indicating that he received a report from the Commission for Gender Equality about Professor Pentler's sexual harassment against the then Professor Mbati and requested counsel to deal with the matter transparently and fairly applying the, the university rules and law of the country. On 1st April 2015, I responded to the minister, minister's letter assuring his office that the Council of the University will do everything within its power to ensure that the matter is fairly and transparently dealt with in the interest of the university and the affected parties. I then constituted a task team to look into the matter and the task team advised that the matter is before the court and it will not be appropriate for Council to constitute another forum to look into the matter and that it will be better to wait the out outcome of the courts. The council noted that CGE conducted its investigation and made the findings against the university. CGE report was taken for review by the university council. Further, the council noted that during the proceedings of the review application before the court, the legal representative of the CGE requested for adjournment and approach the university representatives with a settlement proposal. Both the university and the CGE agreed that certain parts of the report be removed and that the university will implement Mulisa mediation report. And this was made an order of the court. When council was to implement the Lavery Mulisa report, it came to light that the report was vague and hence a need for Mulisa to clarify himself by providing more light to the report. On 24 June 2016, Mr. Lavarimudis submitted a supplementary report which indicated that Professor Pendler 
and Professor Mbati had a consensual sexual relationship and that there was no sexual harassment case. Council then decided to get a second opinion in a form of a legal opinion from Mr. Mike Mashiro, who was a labor expert, who provided an opinion that based on Melissa mediation report, the university cannot charge Professor Mbati for sexual harassment. Council resolved to close the matter and allow the court processes to be completed. The previous council dealt with dismissal of Professor Penda until the dismissal was confirmed by the Appeals Committee of Council and also ratified by Council. Professor Pendler declared a dispute of unfair dismissal with CCMA. Unfortunately, CCMA did not deal with the matter as Professor Pendler raised sexual harassment allegations. The matter was finally heard by the Labour Court and judgment was delivered on 12 October 2017. There were other subsequent processes in the form of leave to appeal to the Labour Court, which was declined, as well as the petition for leave to appeal to the Labour Appeal Court, which was also refused. According to my knowledge and understanding of processes, including all legal processes followed on the matter, the Council of the Investor Vendor dealt with Professor Pentler's allegation of sexual harassment against Professor Barty fairly and transparently and that no further intervention was required from the University Council, more so because the matter was also presented before the legal institutions such as the South Southern Police Service, the CGE, the Labor Court, Labor Appeal Court, where the matter was properly ventilated and decisions made. Yeah. I want to assure the portfolio committee that the community of Vienna Council had dealt with Professor Pentler's allegations of sexual harassment against Professor Mbati fairly and transparently. Based on the findings of the Mudise report, the legal outcomes of CGE, SAPS, Labor Court and Labor Appeal Court, where this matter was further inter interrogated, there is no legal grounds on which the University of Vendor Council could be held to have acted inappropriately or delinquently in relation to the matter. Resultantly, there was no further intervention required from the university council. Council also believed that on the allegations of management and financial misconduct on the infrastructure projects, we dealt with the matter as best we could and that no further intervention was required from council. That, that is the, the end of my statement, uh, Chair but I'm quite willing to, to then uh, try to respond to questions that may ask, even though uh, these matters happened way back as the previous uh, gentleman alluded to that they happened over 10 years ago. And I'll try my best to answer to the best of my ability, even though I may have forgotten other details that may be required. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Maja. Uh, thanks for your for your statement. Uh, can I just find out if uh, Mrs. Mabusela is back on the platform? Anele, did you finally succeed? No, not yet, she. Not yet, she. Okay, I think we will proceed, although I wanted uh, 
to start with Mrs. Mabusela first, before, because she was the chair of council uh, before Mr. Maja. But because there are these technical problems, we will then continue with Mr. Maja. And then uh, hopefully by the time we are done, um, Mrs. Mabusela uh, will be sorted. <clears throat> if the computer fails, I'm sure she's using a, a smartphone, which can also be of assistance. Uh, or she can look for another gadget. Uh, because we need to take a testimony today. Okay, in the meantime, Anela, please continue to, um, <clears throat> to liaise with her and to help her to come onto the platform. Uh, I, we will uh, continue with you, Mr. Maja, and ask you some questions. Um, and I think at the time when you say you were a member of council from 2009, and you got elected as the chairperson in 2014. So at the time when the, <clears throat> um, the allegation was brought to the attention of the chairperson, Mrs. Mabusela. You were a member of council. Now, let me just find out, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Maja. You say when the allegations were first made, uh, council appointed Mr. Mudisi to mediate in line with the with the policy on harassment of the university. Uh, is that the case? Yes, in fact, uh, before that happened, Mr. Advocate Master Rumule, if I remember very well, was requested to go into the matter and report back to council. But then he then recommended that uh, we must refer the matter to Lavaru Modisi who was uh, a sort of an expert in matters of this nature. So when the first, when the, uh, when the allegation was raised, uh, you appointed Mr. Masaru Mule, who is a labor expert, and then he advised that uh, you must appoint a mediator in line with the university policy. Yes. That's correct. Okay. <clears throat> And then Mr. Mudisa was appointed. He then um, undertook his work, interviewed both of them, and then he produced a report. And the report which, was pro which, which he produced was inconclusive, meaning uh, the dispute was not resolved by the two parties. Now, what was supposed to happen after that? Pardon? I'm saying what was supposed well, to happen after... Well, the, we, we then called on uh, Mr. Lavarumadise to clarify certain issues as the report was a bit vague in certain sections. And he then did so. And uh, in his final report confirmed that uh, there was a case of sexual harassment between Professor Mbati and Professor Pendra. 
Okay, Mr. Maja, I put it to you that what you are saying is not true. What, what you just said now is not true. But uh, confirmed to us in his report that uh, there was a sexual relationship between the two. That is correct. No. Okay. Maybe let me just say this. Let's let's look at the timelines. Um, when was Professor? When did Professor Pendler raise this um, allegations with the chairperson? Uh, I'm trying to to look at the days because, as I say, this matter was. Happened a long time ago, but it's around October 2011. It's around October 2011. Okay, October 2011. Professor Pendler raises a, a complaint. A council gets an gets an advice from uh, Maserumule Atenis. Maserumule says this is the policy that council has to implement. Then council then implements the policy, appoints a mediator, the mediator mediates, the dispute remains unresolved. The mediator then sent your report. The part which I say is not true that you are telling us is that you requested Mr. Mudise to clarify as his report was inconclusive. That is not true. The second report which... <clears throat> Let me just tell you that the second report that we are talking about of uh, Mr. Mudise, which you say it was a clarification report, it was in fact the directive of the court. It was a court order in the matter between the University of Venda Council and Bati and the CGE. And this happened four years almost four years after the first report was then produced. That's why I'm saying it's not true what you're saying, Mr. Major. Okay, I, I may concede that, but as I said in my opening remarks, I said this matters happened quite a long time ago. I cannot remember the actual details, but what I can confirm is that, uh, well, as you say, it was the court which directed that, I, I may not dispute that at this age because I cannot remember all the details, but what I am saying is based on that report, the second Modisa report, it became clear that there was a consensual relationship between Professor Mbaji and Professor Pent. No, you are right in, in, in far as that is concerned that about what was the conclusion of the second report. But we are a little bit too far. I want us to start with the. Uh, I want us to start with the. What what was the role of what did council do, when it receives um, the first report? Let's call it the first and the second because there were only two reports. The first one was inconclusive. The second one, as directed by the court. <clears throat> was detailed and it had some conclusions on it. So let's let's first talk about the first report. 
What did council do when it receives the first report? When the, the then chair of council received the first report from Professor Pendler, she then convened a meeting of experts. From Lavar Mudise, not from Professor Pendler. No, no, I'm saying when Professor Pendler reported to council that she was sexually harassed, the chair of council then convened a meeting of Exco to, to look into the matter. And the decision was then to follow the sexual harassment policy of the university. But then remember that at the same time, Professor Pendler was going through a disciplinary hearing into acts of corruption. And as we are then trying to, to consider the, the complaint she made to cancel, we were informed that she had now taken the matter to the South African Police Service and reported this matter there. And we then said, let us wait for the SAPS to do their work and we'll take it from there. The SAPS investigated the matter and, and then took their report to the NPA. And the NPA then decided that on the basis of facts placed before them, there was no prima facie case against Professor Mbati. Those are the details I remember now. All right, um, Mr. Maja. Um, when we invited you to come and uh, assist this inquiry. Our expectation was that you will uh, uh, try to consult the records in order to refresh your mind. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, that is something that you have done. Okay, sorry, my apologies. Well, Chair, let me say this. Okay, when so I then... When I got this invitation, I then spoke to the secretary of the portfolio committee and requested him to send me the clear questions upon which I could then have done some bit of research to respond to the issues that you wanted to, to deal with me. But I was told that you, the portfolio committee does not send questions like that, but the questions will be based on the little report that I will give to the portfolio committee. I could have done much more research had I then received questions from the portfolio committee. Because as I say, this matter has happened quite a number of years ago, and there were other, a hundred other things that we had to deal with as the university. Answer. Okay, so in your view, this was just a, a minor issue that happened in the university during your term. It was not a minor issue, uh, Chair. It was not a minor issue. But what I'm saying is we did our best to investigate the matter. We used people such as uh, Advocate Master Rumula. We used uh, Lava Remodise to go deeper into the matter and bring a report to us, which they did. And uh, the report that we received was that there was no case to answer, that there was a consens consensual relationship between the two. <clears throat> And then remember okay, let's just proceed with the, my question. And please, I'm going to ask you to answer the question as I'm posing it to you. Okay. Uh, 
All what I'm interested in is what is it that council did? I'm not interested in the SAPS investigation. I'm not interested in what happened outside of council. I can't hold the SAPS accountable because uh, we are, our remit, our focus is to hold the university council accountable. So if, I, if we want to ask the SAPS, we can invite them to come here, but we don't want to get into there. All what I'm interested in is the complaint come to Mrs. Mabusela. He then presented to the Exco of Council. Exco asked for the legal advice from Masarumule. Masarumule gives the legal advice. Legal advice says implement the policy, you implement the policy. I'm sure when Masarumula was saying implement the policy, all of you had to refresh your minds about what does the policy say. So all of you were aware of the provisions of the policy. So you appointed uh, Lavaru Mudisi. Lavaru Mudisi conducts the investigation, or the not the investigation, the mediation, and then he produces a report. What I am asking you is what did you do as council when you receive the report of Mr. Mudisi? We decided when we received that report to then leave the matter at that stage because, as I said, this matter had already gone out of the university campus to the SAPS and to the NPA and the Commission on Gender Equality. So, we then decided at that stage to wait for the reports from all these uh, other institutions. No, it's not true, Mr. Marsh. At that That's time, no, at that time, uh, the complaint was not yet lodged with the Commission on Gender Equality at that point. Because what was being followed was the policy on of Council on Sexual Harassment. Maybe let me ask you, are you aware with the policy of Council on Sexual Harassment? Well, I was aware then, but now I have forgotten quite a lot of things that appear in that document. You are aware of the policy? I'm saying I was aware then about the processes that needed to be followed. Okay. And so you think that the processes were followed? The, uh, the mediation process was followed. Okay. And uh, yeah. Okay. I, that, that, that was Lavaro Mudice's uh, report. Yes. Are you aware of what the policy says in terms of if there is no resolution of the matter in, in, in line with the mediation? If the mediation does not result in the resolution of the of the dispute, what then was the policy saying must be the next step? I, I cannot remember right now what Let the policy said. Mr. Let me yes. do that. Um, <clears throat> Clause five point two of the University of Vendor Police on Sexual Harassment. 5.2, it says there's a formal procedure. There's 5.1, which says there is an informal procedure. And that informal procedure is what you followed as per the advice of Masirumula Atenis. 
which was to appoint a mediator to mediate. And the mediator had a couple of days to produce the report and so forth. Now the formal procedure says, in cases of mediation where a mediator is unable to resolve the complaint within 10 working days, the complainant may lodge a written complaint with the Human Resources Department as early as possible. A Human Resources Department shall 5.2.1 call for a report from the mediator where mediation was attempted. 5.2.2 requires the alleged offender to respond in writing to the allegation made against him or her and submit the same in line with the disciplinary procedure manual. 5.2.3, if there is any prima facie case of misconduct, the director of human resources will assist <clears throat> the relevant head of department to draft the charge sheet in terms of the disciplinary procedure manual. So this is what the formal procedure of the university council policy says. Now, my question was, after the mediation failed, did you follow the procedure as outlined in 5.2 as cancer? We may not have done so based on, on the, the evidence that was placed before us by Lavarim Medici that why there is no case of sexual harassment and that another attorney, Mr. Mashiro, also confirmed after having gone through the documents that there was no case of sexual harassment. Mr. Maja, let's leave Mr. Mashiro. We'll come to Mr. Mashiro. Now, Mr. Mashiro does not feature here on the next step that council has to follow. Mr. Mashiro features later on after a number of years when you did not do what you are supposed to do, which was to follow the provision of this policy. Sorry about that. <clears throat> why, why didn't you? Why didn't we? follow the procedure as you are referring to. Why didn't you follow the provisions of 5.2? Well, <laughs> it makes it difficult for me because I would want to be as truthful as I possibly can be. Uh, we relied on the investigation that was done by Mr. Lavaramudisi. And that report, which came to cancer, said there was no case of sexual harassment. No, Mr. Maja, no, 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 no. <clears throat> Please, don't be evasive. Don't avoid. We are talking about something that is three years down the line. I'm talking about the report of Lavarimudisa, which says that the, the mediation was not successful. I'm talking about that, that what did cancer do? Remember by that time, cancer is directed, remember Mr. Yeah. Maja, cancer is directed by its policy. And here is the policy of cancer, which says if mediation fails, then 5.2 must kick in. What does 5.2 says? It says that 
you must call for the report of the mediator that was done. And uh, from there, uh, 5.2.2 asks that the person against whom the allegation is made must provide, uh, must respond in writing. 5.2.3, it says, if there is prima facie evidence, then you proceed to charge a person. That's what your policy says. That's what council was supposed to have done. But if I remember, Professor Mbati then confirmed to council that there was no case of sexual harassment against him. Also, you relied on Professor Mbati. And on, on uh, Mr. Lavaramudis' report. Yeah, but Mr. Lavaramudis' report was not existing at that point, Mr. Marsh. No, it was. No, the report was saying it's inconclusive. It was a very brief report. He says, Mr. Mudise, that he was not able to resolve the dispute. The parties are not willing to find each other. Uh, and so the report, the, the matter remains unresolved. But he does say in his report that he can, if requested, he can provide his own opinion about what has happened. That was the first report. He didn't say much. Do you agree with me? Yes. Yes, I he do. didn't say much. And then what council was supposed to do was to follow 5.2. Now, what I'm, ask, why I'm, what I'm asking you is, why did council not follow 5.2? I think that question would better be responded to by the previous chair. I can't remember the details. But you're a member of council. Yeah, but I cannot remember the details. You cannot remember why, as a member of council, you as councillors failed to implement 5.2. I cannot remember why, if at all, that was not done in the way that you are putting it. Yeah, but Mr. Maja, why do you remember other aspects and then just conveniently forget about the other more important details. No, no, I said to you, I said to you, Chair, that these things happened a number of years ago. I may remember certain things. I may not remember other, other things. And I may not remember the actual details relating to dates and times and stuff like that. I'm trying to, to respond uh, in the best manner that I can, but I cannot then now say to you that even though this matter happened way back around 2011, uh, 2012, thereabouts, I will remember every detail. I cannot. I put it to you, uh, Mr. Marja, that it's a very important part of the council handling of the sexual harassment complaint. And as a member of council, we got evidence from the other witnesses that this was a very big issue that was happening at the university at the time. So it was not a small matter. You also confirmed that. Now, is it really possible that you cannot remember such an important matter that was handled by council and how council handled it and why council handled it in the manner that it did? So you cannot remember that. Quite a lot of things happened at that time, including even the city press article, which 
I now remember there was a huge article in the city press then, which quoted very extensively uh, Professor Pendra in terms of what happened and so forth and so forth. And in that article, if you then can get hold of it, she was then saying in that article that there was a consensual sexual relationship between herself and Professor Pendra. Now, those are some of the things that influenced uh, the view of cancer as far as this matter is concerned. Are you saying that cancer was influenced by the view of City Press? The article was there were a lot of I'm seeing there were a lot of things that happened at that time, including the report, the, the fact that she reported to SAPS, the fact that she appeared in the City Press stating her side of the story and confirming or confessing that there was a sexual relationship. The fact that the gender commission was approached to look into the matter, all those things made the council decide to then hold its horses and wait for all those processes. And remember, at that time, she was dismissed from the university. She was no longer part of the university. She was dismissed on account of corruption. That case ran just before she made the allegations of sexual harassment. Yeah, those are some of the things that I can remember now. Yeah, you see, you remember some of the uh, important details which goes with your narrative, but you don't remember other details. That's why I'm saying, for me, I'm seeing it as a convenience. You see, because all what I'm saying is that, and I put it to you that what you are saying to us is misleading this inquiry. First of all. The reason why, or, or the reason why the matter was taken to the Commission on Gender Equality, it was because council, council was failing to implement 5.2. Now that's why the matter was taken there. You were here when we had an investigator from the Commission on Gender Equality, who came to the university to ask, why are you not activating 5.2? Because it is a policy of council. Now, with due respect, uh, Mr. Macha, I think um, you are under oath. You are under oath. You are expected to answer to the best of your ability in these proceedings. And I'm, again, I'm asking a question. Why did council not comply with its own policy? Let's leave the SAPS and other people and CGE outside. You are a member of council. You are guided by the policies of council and the laws of the Republic. At all material times, what you do must be to, to, to be in compliance with the policy of council. And here is the policy of council on sexual harassment. It says you must follow 5.2. And you as council don't do that. What is the reason for council not doing that? Well, I tried to respond to that, even though you are saying it's fake, but that's what I can remember. Perhaps the, the chair of council, Ms. Chelima Wusela, at that stage may be able to, to explain what council did or didn't do with regard to that matter. Okay, let's leave that. So let's say that you are not able to... I'm putting it to you that the reason why council did not pursue the matter in line with 
is because council was protecting the vice chancellor at that point, was acting in collusion with the vice chancellor and was protecting him because he did not want to take action against him. This is what I'm putting it to you. I refuse to accept that. We never, we never colluded with the, with the vice chancellor. We never, on this matter, we never. We were very objective. You never For one, I never wanted to pollute or to protect Professor Mbati, nor to protect Professor Pendler. We were trying to be as objective as we possibly could be at that time. Well, but the evidence is, is, is saying otherwise, uh, Mr. Major. The evidence is pointing to the fact that council did not act on the inconclusive report of Mr. Lavaru Mudisi. Council had to be dragged, had to be forced by the court order to comply with 5.2.1 to call for that report of Mr. Mudisi. Are you denying that? Denying that. Are you denying that there was a court order which says you must call no, for 5.2.1? I'm not denying that. I'm not denying that. Okay, if you are not denying, okay, let me then. <clears throat> you were the chairperson of council when council took the CGE report to, to court. Yes. Uh, why did you take the, the commission's report to court? Well, on the basis of the facts that were before us at that stage, the CGE report, we thought, was very biased. One, we were informed that uh, Professor Mbati was not uh, interviewed on the matter. Who and it happened, Who it happened in other cases also. Professor Mbati himself said that he was never, never interviewed by the CGE. He so never gave his side of the story. So you relied on that? information from him at least i can say so yes okay i'm putting it to you again that uh, if indeed professor mbati told you that he was not interviewed he was lying to you as counsel because we have just received the testimony of uh, the person who was conducting that investigation uh, saying that they had to travel from the headquarters of the CGE to the University of Venda to interview Professor Mbati in his office. This gentleman was accompanied by his colleague from CGE. Are you denying that that happened? Well, I was never party to that meeting. I'm asking but what I that, that I I'm saying it, it may not have happened as it happened in other cases. I can quote a number of, of times on which the CGE never, never interviewed uh, the, the affected people. They only listened to one side of the story and came to a particular conclusion. That I know, I've been a public servant for a number of years myself. I know those things happened. Okay, I'm asking you a question, Mr. Major. I'm asking you whether the testimony of uh, Mr. Mr. Mavidula 
that he has just given us this morning is false. He was lying to this inquiry. Is that what you're saying? I am saying he was played to the gallery. And I don't play to the gallery. Question. Was he or was he, was, was he lying or he was not lying? I am saying, had he been uh, interviewed by those that he accused of not having done something, perhaps the truth would have come out. Yeah, please, Mr. Major, you are under oath. You are giving testimony in this portfolio committee of parliament uh, holding this oversight inquiry. You have just taken an oath now. You are supposed to be truthful. I'm asking you a question that you are accusing Mr. Mavidula of lying to us. Are you saying that that statement that he made, that he interviewed Professor Mbad, uh, accompanied by his colleagues in the office of Professor Mbati, is was a lie? Is I am not saying. I am not saying, Chair, it's a lie. But Professor Mbati himself can testify to that. I am, I am not aware that they did meet in in, in somebody's office. I'm not aware. That was never brought to to the attention of myself, not to the attention of counsel. So it's a lie, according to you? I'm not saying it's a lie, but I'm saying, I cannot say it's, it's a truthful statement or a false statement, but Professor Mbad can testify as far as that matter is concerned. So we must expect Professor Mbad to come and, and deny that there was ever an interview in his office. Or confirm, or confirm that there was an interview. But you are saying to us that you based your decision to take the report on review on the basis that Professor Mbati told you that he was not interviewed in his office. That's what I can remember now. And you say that uh, the report was biased because it did not interview the affected people in the main Professor Mbati, that's what you're saying. Chair, if you, 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 you think back a little bit, uh, the, the gentleman you referred to confirmed that they did excise a lot of sections in their report. Let's not confuse this thing, Mr. Mabidula. Yes. Let's not talk about the excising. That is a court process. That was an agreement between the university and the CGE in court. Yes. That is not the, <clears throat> the report. At the time when it was exercised, it was taken on review, he had left that institution, the CGE. We are now talking about his testimony here, Mr. Marsha. Please, let's not be all over the place. His testimony is that he has interviewed Mr. Mbat, Professor Mbat, in his office, and then uh, you say to us that the reason why you took it on review is because they did not interview Professor Mbati. And on the basis of what Professor Mbati told you, you then took the report on review. That's what you are saying to us. Council decided that way, Chair. Yeah, under your we leadership. Not, we were not happy with a number of things that were contained in the CGE report. Okay. I was not acting alone as an individual. It was a decision of council. Yeah, and we're calling you here as the former chairperson of council. It was under your leadership that council did not act, did not 
but a council took the CGU on review on the basis of what Professor Mbati has told council. So here is the person, and I'm trying to see the logic of your, your, your reasoning. Here is the person against whom allegations are made that he has sexually harassed an and a, a, a subordinate. Now, council takes a decision to challenge the report. And in taking a decision, council then bases its decision on the person against whom allegations are made. And he says to council, I've not been interviewed. When according to the evidence of Mr. Mavidula, he was lying to council. Now you take the lies that he was giving you, you base that to challenge a report. That's what you are telling us. Well, Chair, what I can say, even though you say I mustn't be all over the place, Council also had a lot of information about the goings on between the two at that stage. Some members of Council that I may not mention now also confirmed that they have been with Professor Pender at uh, Professor Mbaji's residence, engaging in alcoholic drinks until the wee hours of the morning, and that they left her there. So the, all these things were coming out at that time. And so some of the council, council, a very important body, a governance structure in an institution, based its decision on rumors up that they've had this and that um, <clears throat> by individual members of council. So is that how your council was operating, Mr. Macha, during your tenure? As a democratic process, Chair, I, I wasn't a dictator. If uh, an issue came up and members debated the issues and then decided that the facts are as they are, as they presented to council, I wasn't a dictator. I, I, I relied on, on a collective decision of council. Well, I'm shocked, Mr. Maja, that an important body, council, will rely on rumors to take such an important decision, which subsequently led to the council spending a lot of money defending that. So all that decision, first, it was based on rumors of council members. Secondly, it was based on lies that you were told by Professor Mbati, according to you, because I'm saying if that is what Professor Mbati told you, then it was a lie. Because both on paper, on what the CGE report was saying, they confirmed that they interviewed him. Mr. Mavidula was here, he confirmed that he interviewed him in his office. So if he denies that he was being interviewed, it means he was lying to council. So is that how council was then taking decisions? Based on rumors, based on lies? No, he was not basing his decisions on rumors, but members of council are particular individuals that will then debate the issues on council. And as they debate the issues, they bring up all sorts of facts, information to council, which would then assist council take certain decisions. Okay. 
Okay, what other bases did you, what other, uh, uh, what was the other basis of you taking the report on review? We've heard that one, it was uh, Professor Mbati telling you that he was not interviewed. Two, we heard that the council members, uh, there was rumors that this was happening at the residences, people drinking and all of that. So you based that decision on that. So what was the other basis? The other basis was that as we were discussing this question of sexual harassment, she reported to the SAPS that she was raped by Professor Mbati. And the police investigated that, took their report to the National Prosecuting Authority, which then issued a statement to say there was nothing like that. There was no case against Professor Mbati. Remember, remember, Mr. Maja, we're talking about the report of CGE. We're not talking about other ancillary issues, other issues on the outside. We're talking about the report. The report is produced uh, and the report says we have interviewed Professor Mbati, we have interviewed Professor Pendler, we have uh, gotten access to the SMSs, we have interviewed the director of HR, we have interviewed the, the head of legal services in the institution, we have given an opportunity to council to respond, council did not respond, and on the basis of all that information, they then compile a report. And then their report, one of their thing, the things they say was that council must implement its own sexual harassment. And the minister of higher education must make sure that he then deal with these issues in line with their recommendation. So that was the issue that we are taking on review. Now I want to find out, was it only the two issues that you raised that was the basis for you taking the report on review or any other thing? If I remember very well, I think uh, the gentleman from the CGE also testified that in terms of their investigation, in terms of the cell phone messages that they came across, there was that relationship between the two. So you accepted that there was a relationship? Yes. So you used the report of CGE to accept that there was a relationship? That was the evidence at our disposal. But why did you take it on review if you accepted the sections which council had a problem with, accusing council of not having done its work and so on and so on and so on? Okay, so what sections? One, accusing council of not doing its work. What is the other one? No, no, I can only remember that council had a problem with the way the report implicated council, that he did not do certain things, and council was not hit with that because it did all it could at that time to address the matter without favor or prejudice. Mr. Maja, I, I, I read you 5.2, and I asked you why council did not implement 5.2. You said you don't remember. And the report says, the report says, council did not implement 5.2. So why would you have a problem? Because it's a factual finding. Council did not implement 
I, 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 I may then agree with you, but I'm, I'm saying in time to respond to that, I refer to a number of issues that may have uh, influenced council not to follow a particular uh, route as you are to uh, in 5.2. There were these other things that I referred to. You still dispute what I'm putting to you that council was colluding with Professor Mbat. That I will deny with the, my, all the might at my disposal. As far as I'm concerned, I never colluded. As a member of council, I never colluded with Professor Mbat. Neither did I collude with Professor Pendy. I was trying to look at the picture holistically and objectively. But why do you deny that you colluded? Because you are saying to us, you have just confirmed here that the reason why you took the CGE report is because of what Professor Mbati told you that he was no, not. I'm saying because of the things that it raised against cancer and cancer no. not accept, accept no. a number you of things. The reason why you took the CGE report is because we are told by Professor Mbati that he was not interviewed. Yes, that's but one of them. Yes, but the others, others, the others, the others are there, which made council uncomfortable with that report. Uh, I see Honorable Litsi has got his hand up. Uh, I must apologize, members. Uh, I needed to clarify those matters there. Honorable Litsi. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. Uh, apology I accepted. The guy in that is Ruby. Another guy. Uh, in that. Um, maybe, Chair, let, let me start where you, you finished. Just to get clarity from that is Ruby Maja. And that the Maja, you are saying. Um, <clears throat> there are certain parts of the report, the CGE report, you agreed with. And one of them is that there was consensual relationship. That is one part of the same report. And mm -hmm. the other part is that you did not agree uh, with was that one of them was that uh, Professor Mbadi told cancer that he was not interviewed and you did not agree with that part of the report. And my question is, why did you guys not, why did uh, cancel at that time uh, put in measures to establish if that was true or not? Meaning uh, to put up a task team uh, of council members to sit down with uh, the CGE investigator uh, that the Azundin was here just now, and Professor Mbad to ascertain uh, who is telling the truth before taking the report for review. Well, I, I think I did try to, to respond to, to those issues to say there were a lot of other factors that came into play during that time which had an influence on how council uh, responded. 
as, as I mean, I'm saying in paragraph 1.12, I'm saying I constituted a task team to look into the matter and the task team advisor, the matter is before the courts and it will not be appropriate for council to constitute another forum to look into the matter and that it will be better to wait for the outcome of the courts. Okay. Um, again, we know that lying under oath uh, is not, well, it's a criminal offense. In fact, I want to read you part of the minutes of the Council of the 8th of July, 2016. <coughs> um, 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 point two of those minutes says the task team will advise Council on what will be an appropriate course of action in respect of the referral of the CGE review to court without the approval of cancer. This action should not involve the withdrawal of the review action itself as if or as this review should be allowed to take its course. The task team should investigate the task team should investigate if there is inappropriate use of university resources in respect of the VC's defense on, on the matter. When such inappropriate use is identified, the task team must recommend to cancel what the appropriate course of action in that regard would be. <clears throat> the task team will remain in the hands of uh, Nasser, Mashekho, and Maimela. Council members may approach the two gentlemen if and when they would like to participate in the task team work. All documents that will assist council members to understand the matter better should be available to council. And this was uh, written by Tabelo Molapo per instruction of the Univen X Committee of 10 April 2015. Do you know any of the states? Yes, I do remember now that you are referring to that particular part of the minutes. You just reminded me. Okay. You, 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 uh, the minute says there was no council approval for the review. And you've just said to the chair that uh, council resolved to take the case for a review. What do you say to that? Now, Honorable Lezier, if you listen to me at the very beginning, of my presentation, I assert to the chair that I cannot remember all the details. I had requested the secretary to forward me the questions, which I would then have investigated and reported accurately to, to the portfolio committee. As of now, I have long left the university, and I said to the secretary that I may not remember all the things, and I wanted to be as truthful to the committee as possible but that I cannot vouch that I will remember all the details that happened years back. And I would have appreciated a receipt of questions from the portfolio committee so that I could respond accurately to, to, to those issues. That is what I said when I started. Yeah, but uh, we gave you a framework of what we will be asking you about what did the university, what, what did the university council do uh, in respect of this issue. Uh, so for me, that is enough, Dr. Manja. 
and um, you know you when you answer sorry i did write a report to the portfolio committee uh, trying to elucidate a number of things that i could remember but i would have appreciated a receipt of formal questions which would have made it easy for me <coughs> to be in touch with the investee the documents of the investee and come up with the, the right answers I would have appreciated that. But I just wrote a report on the basis of what I remember could have happened then and so forth. I'm not, I'm not lying or trying to lie to this portfolio committee, but all I'm saying is I cannot remember all the details, unfortunately. It will be better uh, to say you don't remember rather than to answer with conviction that this is what happened, whereas that is not what happened. Because if that happens, then... Uh, to us, it then appears as if uh, you are lying under oath. No, it's not my intention to lie under oath at all. Okay, maybe, maybe let me then. Okay, okay. Can, okay. I just, can I just just come in here? So my apology, vulnerability. <clears throat> so, uh, so must we take it that the responses that you gave to me when I asked why council reviewed? Uh, where, where the, the response was not the correct response. In terms of what the Honorable Member just said, I, I may not have been correct in answering that. Because he just reminded us as he read that particular paragraph. But I confess to you, Chair, from the very beginning, that I well, am not... The confession, we know about that. This thing... Everybody who's coming here is asked about something that happened long time ago. So it's, it's not you alone, it's all the witnesses who are coming here. So that disclaimer, it's, 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 it's well understood. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, okay, maybe let me not say that. So we confirm that what you said to me, that council took a decision and during the deliberation of council, there were members who were saying that they are well aware of this matter. Uh, they've seen people drinking, uh, Professor Mbati and Professor Pendler at the same house and all of that. Uh, and then Professor Mbati telling council that I was not interviewed. So all of that was, was not true. It was a lie. Not by me. But no, I'm saying, saying that, that council took a decision to take the matter on review based on what you are saying to us. Yeah. Now that Honorable Litia has read that paragraph, I am reminded. But I was saying, Professor Mbadi did tell council that he was not happy with the report of the CGE because he was never interviewed. That's what I can remember. Okay, uh, all right, we'll allow Honorable Litsia to proceed. But just to say to you, Mr. Major, that you, you are under oath. <clears throat> and uh, you are supposed to be as truthful as possible to this portfolio committee, to this inquiry. You are not, one thing that you are not allowed to do is to mislead this inquiry is to say something which is untruthful, which is something that you have just done, you have admitted to doing. 
Now, please, I'm going to appeal to you. If you don't recall anything, just say, I can't remember it happened a long time ago and all of that. But don't seek to mislead the portfolio committee. Don't seek to mislead parliament. Because what we have just done is exactly that, being untruthful, misleading, and I would say lying. Please, Mr. Maja, Honorable Litsia will continue asking questions. Other honorable members are coming. Please, let's, let's, let's not do that, which you have done to me. Honorable Litsia, proceed. Well, thank you very much, Chair. Um, <clears throat> and Dr. Maja, um, um, Mrs. Mabusela, um, what do you call it, the, your pre predecessor, um, in her statement uh, on page two, uh, noted that EXCO, which we are part of um, before you were chair, appointed Maserimule attorneys to investigate these allegations in line with the university policy on sexual harassment. Um, did EXCO appoint Maserimule attorneys to investigate the allegation of sexual harassment? That is what uh, appears to be the truth. Yes, you were, you were part of the council um, uh, at this time. So uh, it, it, I think the yes or no answer will, will assist here. Oh, yes. Uh, in terms of what I can remember, Expo appointed Master Rumlai. I said so also in my previous testimony. I know. Uh, I, I know. I wanted you to confirm. I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. Um, and uh, and then the following question will be: What was the terms of reference of the Masrumule attorney's investigation? It was, if I remember well, Masrumule was attorneys were appointed to investigate the allegations made by Professor Pendler in line with the university's policy on sexual harassment. And then um, how was those uh, services procured? How did you appoint them? Well, I, I don't remember. I think it followed the supply chain policies of the university, but I don't, I'm not having any facts as far as that is concerned. Okay, and did they submit a report with recommendations? The, the, the report that I think I remember was saying, because the policy provides for an informal mediation process, first, Masrumula Ateni suggested that council should approach an experienced mediator in the person of Lavare Modise, which okay. council did. And were the Masrumula Ateni's uh, labor law experts? I cannot remember. I cannot remember. Okay, maybe let me just uh, take you through uh, that. Um, um, <clears throat> that as the committee had requested terms of reference of the Masramuli attorneys investigation from the University Council, 
and in their response dated 18 November 2020. The current chair will also appeared before us, uh, indicated uh, the following. He indicated uh, that according to, to the records, Exco resolved to get the matter dealt with by the labor law experts to ensure that the, the grievance is dealt with in, in the legal, objective, sensitive, sensitive and fair manner. The records of the university do not show when and how Masarumula attorneys were appointed, and the terms of reference could also not be found. Do you have anything to say on this? No, I don't have anything to say on equity. I don't remember what actually happened. Okay. And would you not find this as a great concern that uh, the university now does not have records of the appointment of uh, Masarumule Atonis as well as its uh, terms of reference? Yes, I have an issue with that. I don't think if that is the truth, then it was, it was well done. Supply chain processes should have been followed. So you, 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 you find it concerning that uh, there are no records? Yes, in terms of how you say so, because you did that investigation recently. I, I don't remember actually what happened. But as I say, if that was the case, then it was wrong to do that. Okay. Thank you very much uh, for, for that answer. Kindly uh, clarify us on the disciplinary process of the Vice-Chancellor in terms of the UNIVEN policy as determined and approved by Council Junior Turner as the Chair of Finance Committee and Chairperson of Council, whether the Vice-Chancellor was subject, was subject to the employee disciplinary code and procedures as applied to every employee. Well, I cannot remember that he ever appeared at a disciplinary inquiry into this matter. And I'm just asking the process. What is What was the process? If a senior member of staff, uh, like the vice chancellor, uh, should go through a disciplinary process, what was the process? As I say, if there was evidence to charge him, then obviously the university would have, through its supply chain policies, appointed expert lawyers, obviously one would sit as the presiding officer and the other would be the prosecuting official. So the disciplinary code and procedures uh, of the university, um, in the case of Professor Mbat, when a complaint of sexual harassment was lodged against him, was the disciplinary code and procedures applied? I don't remember that it was applied. I see it wasn't applied, but I suppose, and I don't want to, 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 to say a lot of things which will make you think that I'm protective or that I'm lying, but I would imagine council looked at the matter and then on the basis of lack of evidence, decided not to proceed. To proceed. Okay. Um, so paragraph 1.7 of your statement uh, <clears throat> noted that the Levermodice mediation was tabled and accepted by EXCO. The report indicated that the mediation failed to resolve the sexual harassment dispute between Professor Pendle and Professor Mbati. EXCO was also informed that the allegation against 
Professor Mbati were also reported to SAPS. As a result, SLXCO resolved to allow SAPS to complete their investigation on the matter without any interference. That's what you said, right? Yes. Uh, okay. Hold on. So in appreciating the difficulties and recollection of matters where gross negligence or misconduct reported, investigated, confirmed or not confirmed during your tenure's universe, can you share with us whether you appreciate a distinction between matters of or with criminal elements and what steps need to be taken thereof? Should the university find that one of their employees or employer um, has committed a criminal offense and, and incurred a loss against the university? Well, obviously, we would uh, invite the, the law enforcement uh, agencies to investigate and to, to do whatever has to be done, uh, either arrest the person, charge the person, and so forth. So, so cancer would have acted? Yes. If there was evidence that said to cancer, the vice chancellor committed corruption or fraudulent activities, we would have acted without any waste of time. All right. So uh, does the university policy on sexual harassment provide that in the event that the sexual harassment case is also reported to the external institution, um, SAPS in this case, the internal process dealing with the matter should be halted or wait for the external process to be conducted or to be concluded? Well, Honorable Lizia, the, the policy, if I may remember, may not have uh, had that particular paragraph, but circumstances around uh, that issue may have convinced council to then hold its horses and wait for those uh, processes to unfold before they could then take internal action. I'm so, just supposing I'm that what led council to decide that way. So, Council, then, uh, I want to then ask the question that the Chair asked. What you are saying then, you are confirming that Council will not have been ruled by the time or at the time or will not have been ruled by policy but by circumstances. Is that what you are confirming? Yes, to some extent, I am confirming that. But I have a problem with that, that the manager, because uh, when 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 you you just said that you have been a public servant for long, and I'm sure you understand that policy is policy, and policy whether you agree with it or not, it must be enforced instead of circumstances. Is that not supposed to be the case? Yes, it's supposed to be the case, uh, Honourable Lizier. But as I we always talk about the other things. If a member is charged with uh, corruption, such as happened with Professor Penjo, and she was uh, summarily dismissed, she was no longer part of the university then. And uh, then council looked at the, the matters and decided not to, to engage itself further, on, on, particularly on the sexual harassment case. Because if I remember well, this. Professor Penta had already gone beyond 
counsel to the other institutions, such as the Labour Court and the Labour Appeal Court, and, and, and so on and so forth. So, so Chair was right earlier on saying that uh, council relied on rumors, uh, circumstances, as you put it now, uh, instead of police uh, to take decisions. So, so Chair was right that, uh, when he said that, to you, when he put that to you. On, on that matter, which he alluded to on five point, I think it was 5.2, where council then should have charged uh, <coughs> Dr. Sambati with uh, sexual harassment. Council did not do that. Okay, so um, in your view then, are you confident that a council under your, your stewardship exercised duty of care and acted in good faith in taking the, the decision it took to abandon its own internal process uh, to deal with the matter? I think you were correct, but in hindsight now that you are you are saying so, perhaps you should have acted differently. Okay, now, um, on page four of uh, one of your external, external members of council meeting held on the 17th of April, 2015, um, we were part of this meeting. Um, <clears throat> it is noted that open quote, the rules say that all shall remain silent until takes decision. If council would like to do anything about the matter, it must set up some kind of a forum to probe the allegations. And this means that a council will put a hybrid structure when the matter is before the court. What, what rule did the council refer to here? Could you repeat that? I couldn't follow that. Minute. I'm saying one of your minutes. Uh, external members of council uh, a meeting held on the 17th of April 2015, a meeting that we've confirmed that you were part of. It is noted that, and I want to quote, the rule says that all shall remain silent until court take decision, takes a decision. If council would like to do anything about the matter, it must set up some kind of a forum to probe the allegations. And this means council will put a hybrid structure when the matter is before the court. Uh, and I'm asking what role did council refer to here? I can't, I can't remember exactly what we, we referred to, Honorable Lizzi, I cannot. But can you remember uh, this thing that I've just quoted? Yeah, the meeting of external uh, council members was held. I can remember that. Okay. So the rule also prevented you from continuing to processing the complaint of Professor Pendler. So it seemed. And how do you explain that in light of the current scourge and pain faced by women all over the country and a call for government in its policies and more importantly, the dictates in the relevant part of the National Development Plan of 2018? What is the question, sir? How do you explain uh, that uh, council uh, uh, well prevented uh, itself from continuing the process, the processing of a complaint of Professor Pandler, given the, the current country's situation on women abuse uh, and all of that. Well, I for one am 
against gender-based violence in all its forms. But the factors that I alluded to earlier perhaps influence counsel to behave in the manner that Okay. Maybe uh, towards uh, conclusion, Chair, um, <clears throat> um, let me refer uh, Mr. Maja to Mr. Lever Modise's uh, report. Um, Council in 2011 received uh, Modisa's inconclusive report in November of 2011, uh, but it waited uh, for four and a half years to request for a second report. Uh, would you, you remember why was this the case? I don't remember, sir. I don't remember the circumstances that led Council to do what it did at that time. In your, in your statement, uh, paragraph 1.14, you, you say that uh, when council was to implement the Levery Modice's report, it came to light that the report was vague and hence a need for Modice to clarify himself by pro- providing more light to the report. And I'm saying um, this took four and a half years. You, you, you did include that in your, in your uh, paragraph 1.14. Yes. But you don't remember why it may have taken so long? Well, as I said, Honorable Lizia, there were so many things that came into play, which I cannot just remember. But uh, obviously, it was not an intentional delay on the part of cancer uh, to do that. There were other factors that came into play, which I cannot just remember. Okay, um, that's interesting. Yeah. So you you don't think if we are maybe sitting in my shoe right now, you you would you disagree uh, with me that uh, there was no appetite from council to implement 5.2 clause of the university sexual harassment policy as recommended in Modisa's. Uh, uh, first report. Well, from from my part, there was that appetite to deal with the matter fairly and transparently. I, I can I can confirm that. I can even confirm that Professor Pender would basically harass me even over weekends and Sundays, uh, Saturday Sundays, phoning me and so on and so on. Uh, even threatening to take me to the president of the country, then uh, President Zuma. But there were those factors which I cannot remember, actually, that made cancel to then take that bit of time to, 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 de- to look into the matter. Paragraph 1.8 of your statement on 5 May 2012 uh, reads that the Director of Public Prosecution issued a certificate indicating that there was no case to answer against Professor Mbati. Do you remember that? Yes. Uh, are you aware that the NPA also declined to, to prosecute Professor Pendler in relation to the corruption charges? I, I cannot remember that detail. But what I do know is that the matter was taken to the Labour Court and uh, the Labour Court endorse the decision of the university. 
And uh, I think the matter was taken by her to the Labour Appeal Court, something like that. And uh, that also did not uh, give her joy. Well, uh, are, I'm sorry, you can continue. I'm saying those are some of the things that I do remember that the matters went as far as the Labour Court and the Labour Appeals Court. Okay, well, uh, some witnesses who came here um, alleged that uh, uh, she may have lost those cases because uh, she did not have uh, the financial muscle uh, to hire um, the best legal minds to defend her, whereas uh, the university was or they alleged that the university was paying um, a lot of money on the best legal minds to defend Professor Mbati against those cases. What would you say to them? Well, if I remember very well, it wasn't a question of defending Professor Mbati. It was a question of defending the university. Because remember, the university took a decision to dismiss her on corruption charges. And uh, if I remember very well, she then took the university to the labor court on those matters uh, relating to corruption. Okay, so, uh, but then the same question, uh, some witnesses alleged that the university had the best legal minds uh, because they had unlimited resources to hire those, whereas she did not have. So what would you say to, you? I'm asking this because you said, she did not find joy in the in the court. And I'm saying some witnesses say that's because uh, you guys had uh, uh, the best legal minds uh, money can buy and she did not have. What would you say to that? Well, that could be true, Honorable. See, obviously, the investors, the government institution had the funds to then engage lawyers to, to then uh, defend some of the decisions that it took. Unfortunately, it's just Thank you, Chair. Can I just uh, go to the last two set of questions um, for, for Ntatemaja? During your turn, Ntatemaja as council member of UNIVEN, Univen uh, did Bowman, uh, Gilfillan, attorneys provide legal services to the university and all represented it in, in, in a legal case? Yes, I do remember that. Okay. When did the university start utilizing the services of this law firm? I think uh, even the time that I got appointed to the council, they were using that firm. Okay, and um, did this law firm provide any legal service during the disciplinary hearing of Professor Pendler, as well as proce- uh, processing of Professor Pendler's complaint? I cannot remember whether they were involved in, in uh, the sexual harassment case, but I suppose they were involved in the matter that related to the corruption uh, at the labor court. But I don't have all the correct information. That is what I believe was the case. No, that, is, that will do. Uh, 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 well, we know that uh, they were uh, part of that. Uh, so were you aware that uh, Professor Mbati used the same law firm um, to lodge an interdict against Professor Pendler? as well as during his review of the CGE investigative report on the sexual harassment case. 
Well, I may not remember, I don't remember that. If it happened, I cannot deny that. But I don't remember that detail. So are you not of the view that utilizing, well, I'm putting it to you that that is the case. The university was using a law firm that Professor Bati was using uh, as his uh, legal, personal legal team. So are you not of the view that utilizing the service of the law firm that were personal lawyers of Professor Mbati created a conflict of interest? If that was the case, yes, it was. But what perhaps I can think of is that the university had engaged uh, that firm of lawyers long before Professor Mbati then engaged them in this uh, personal capacity. And uh, can you confirm this is true? I mean, uh, I'm saying that's what I think. I said that's what I think. I don't have the, the facts. But yeah, well, I just think that because the university used that legal firm, he then used them for his private purposes after he perhaps had uh, come across them and found that they are a very good firm of lawyers. I don't know. I don't have those details. That's what I think. Yeah, well, let's not, uh, <clears throat> um, um, you know, give answers that we cannot confirm. I, I don't think that will be in the, in the spirit of being uh, fair to the process. We are not sure. But my question was, my question was, you don't think that uh, um, shows the conflict of interest uh, that uh, Professor Mbadi's legal firm is now used by the same university where he works. You don't think that is a conflict of interest from a from a point of view of um, um, you know uh, fairness. Honorable if Professor Mbadi used that firm of lawyers before the university engaged them as the university lawyers, then there was a conflict of interest which was not in the best interest of the university. But what I'm saying is perhaps the university used that firm of lawyers long before Professor Mbadi used them for his own personal things. So let's let's leave that. Um, um, are you aware? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm moving towards conclusion, Chair. Okay. Are you aware of the financial settlement proposed to Professor Pendler during your turn as the chairperson of the Finance Committee and as Chair of Council? I, 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 I am aware that something like that happened, but I'm not aware of the actual amount that was involved. I don't remember that. Uh, but uh, so you, you can't confirm if there was a written proposed settlement. No, I can't. I can't remember that. You can't confirm who initiated the settlement. No, I can't remember those details. I cannot. I don't want to say something that may not be truthful. Okay, since you can't confirm that, uh, so I take it that you don't know anything about that. You just had it um, as a rumor on the streets. I cannot confirm that as to I don't want to say something that I'm not aware, I'm not sure about. Okay. Chair, the last set of questions I want to ask is on uh, um, the university infrastructure 
uh, other members, Honorable Team. Okay, no, thanks, Chair. Yeah, I think uh, time is going to catch up with us. Uh, but just on the on the settlement, uh, Mr. Maja, you say you are not aware of the formal settlement that was um, offered to Professor Pendler. Yes, I cannot remember that, Chair. I cannot remember. And you were the Chair of Council by then? Uh, well, well, yeah, from 2014 to 2019, yes. Okay, is there a reason why you are not aware of such a critical? The matter involves the vice chancellor and the employee. Uh, there is a labor court issue that is uh, initiated. And then in the process, there is a settlement. So one would expect that the council would be the one to initiate the settlement because the matter involves the vice chancellor. And you as the chairperson of council was not aware of that. I'm saying now, as you are speaking, Chair, I don't want just to incriminate myself. I don't remember the actual amounts that uh, were involved at that time. No, no. <clears throat> Let's leave the amount for now. But the fact that there was a settlement you are aware of. Between Professor Penza and the university. <clears throat> there was a case at the Labour Court. Yes. During the process, the lawyers of uh, the university, the ones that you mentioned, um, initiated a settlement. They wrote a letter to the lawyers of uh, Professor Pendler to say we were offering so much to settle. It was 1.3 million. And then they also indicate the terms of settlement. And now, are you saying that you as the chairperson of council were not aware or did not know of that settlement offer? Well, Chair, it could have been a management uh, thing that I am not aware. No, but Mr. Maja, it can't be management because it's management that is involved. It's the person who's at the apex of management. So these are matters of counsel. Chair, I will have to then investigate that with the university to find out what actually happened because I cannot remember. So you are not aware? You, 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 you don't have this information. I cannot, I cannot remember. I cannot remember that. But as I say, perhaps I will have to check with the university uh, because they do have records. I don't. <clears throat> Mr. Maja, were you really in charge of council of that university? Were you really yes, the I was. Yes, I was. There were many, many, many other things on which we decided except this particular matter. And okay. uh, just to, to, to then respond to you, Chair, I think I was a very successful leader of that institution. The audit reports that were issued were not averse. And uh, when we got out, the university had a clean audit report. Okay. Your duty was to govern the institution, to be the chairperson of a governing body, governing structure, which is council, and council's responsibilities to make sure that policies are implemented, that things are happening in line with what uh, the constitution requires. Your duty was not to be a manager of the institution. 
because that responsibility fell with the accounting officer who was the vice chancellor. And here we're dealing with policies. We're not dealing with audit outcomes, which is a, a matter that must be handled by the vice chancellor. Do you understand the separation of roles, uh, Mr. March? I do. I do. Okay. All right, can we move to Honorable uh, Mananiso? Uh, let's just uh, be, I know myself and Honorable Lizia took much of the time. We still have uh, Mrs. Mabusela on. Uh, Anele, is she on the platform now? Yes, she is on the platform. Okay. So please let's, uh, I'm gonna be, a little bit strict, but I'm sure members will understand that we don't really have enough time. Honorable Mananiso. Uh, okay, uh, thank you, Chairperson. And I want to accept the apology that you have put forth of yourself and Honorable being so robust. However, one must say that uh, I'm mostly covered by your questions mm. for Mr. Maja. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Maja. I want to ask you this question based on the fact that you've been making reference of this particular consensual relationship. Do you know that there are married couples who have these particular cases opened for sexual harassment, yes or no? I am aware. Yes. And do you understand that that doesn't take the fact that there was sexual harassment alleged? Well, ma'am, if there was a consensual relationship between the two, then there was no case of sexual harassment. Okay, let's move. And then uh, you said that uh, you, with regards to the CGE report, you as the council, you thought that the CGE report was biased. So don't you think with what you have given us as the, uh, the responses today, Say, says to us, you were biased as well as the council. I deny that I was ever biased, ma'am. I was never yeah, biased. But, okay, let me confirm to you that with what you have responded to as questions that you can remember answers and others you don't remember, you are biased in terms of responding as well. Uh, Mr. Maja, with regards to... Uh, the terms of reference, I, I believe Honorable Lutzi has uh, covered me. And one thing that I want to indicate to you, and I want you to answer me with yes or no. Can you agree that as the council, you didn't have appetite for this particular case? And you took it as by the way. No, I don't agree. You don't agree. But let me no. tell you, that it was, you didn't have appetite. Hence today, there's nothing that you can remember consistently so in terms of what it's been questioned to you as part and parcel of the statement that has been received from yourselves as well. Uh, lastly, uh, as, as the person you have just indicated to us that you've been in this public space, can you indicate to us that this case actually teaches other people that in such space, there's misuse of power, there's a conflict of interest when people are executing their day-to-day -day businesses. 
yes or no and thank you. Well, yes, in certain government institutions, that is correct. Okay, thank you. Honorable Mukacho. Thank you very much, Chair, and um, good afternoon to colleagues. Um, I'm of similar sentiments uh, as Honorable Manan, you saw in the first part of um, her statement or her remarks, but I won't repeat them. Um, but to Mr. To Mr. Maja, um, there are several views um, around council overreaching and interfering um, in terms of the limits of its mandate as an uh, oversight or governance structure of the institution in relation to the management of the institution. Do you believe that this is a fair or unfair critique or allegation that council overstepped or um, interfered in the management um, of the institution? That's my first question. My second question speaks to um, infrastructure development and maintenance at the institution. Um, as someone who's been to the institution once as a student leader and second time as a member of parliament, um, uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not of the view that the infrastructure development and maintenance at the institution is satisfactory. And that is a sentiment of many students who go to the institution. Um, I mean, even when you look at the report that um, DHET has provided with regards to the infrastructure development projects at the institution, many of them are delayed and there are various challenges in relation to them. The challenges around, um, you know, individuals who the ethnicity or, um, yeah, the ethnicity of, of, of who, um, of who, uh, of how, or the processes around how the various projects were then allocated to various service providers or contractors. And um, there have been allegations around the interference of council in relation to allocating uh, or in this particular process. Um, do you believe that York, uh, uh, the council that you served in and the council that you led, um, do you believe that you were capable of holding management accountable accordingly? Um, were you aware of the various infrastructure projects that were delayed? What measures did you put in place from council's perspective to try and um, resolve these issues? And do you think that the, but if there were any interventions that you put in place as council, We seem to have connectivity problems with Honorable Mukach. Um, uh, Honorable Mukach, we. Yes, you, Yeah, there was a problem with your connectivity there. We couldn't. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch off my video. Is that okay? Yeah, I think that will help. Okay. Um, were you able to hear my remarks, uh, Mr. Maja, with regards to the projects? 
that there was mismanagement. That there were some mismanagement. Correct. Were you? Did you hear those remarks? Yeah, except for your your last part, I didn't hear that. But okay, I heard so, your first Okay, so the question there then would be: Was, was council aware of this, and what interventions <coughs> did council put in place to try and assist? in overcoming this particular challenge of the institution. Okay. Yes. And then moving on to the next question, in terms of the composition of the council that you led, and I guess the council that you also served in, um, do you believe that in terms of delivering on the mandate of council in terms of strong governance and effective accountability or oversight over management, do you believe that um, you were fit collectively as a council to fulfill your mandate. So that's another question. And then, um, do you believe that council um, fairly um, and effectively uh, intervened and executed its role in the matter of Prof Pendla and Prof Mbati? And do you believe that the policies that were existing at that point in time in relation to uh, gender, uh, the gender policy, the sexual harassment policy, do you believe that they were um, effective enough to protect um, various uh, individuals from sexual harassment in the institution? And then my last question is, do you, having worked with Professor Mbati, would you say that he is fit to lead Fakumokato University as the vice chancellor? Thank you very much, Chair. Okay, thank you very much. I hope you've got those questions, Mr. Maja. Chair, if I don't uh, respond to all of them, just remind me because there are quite many. Let me start with the last one. I am very convinced that uh, Professor Mbati is very fit and capable of leading or of being part of the leadership of Sefako Mahato University. Uh, when he took over mm. the running of the University of Venda, it looked like a, a high school then. But when he left after two terms, it's a real university. He has developed it very, very much. And when we left, when he left, we were all sad because he had done a lot of good work for the University of Venda. So I'm quite optimistic that uh, he will then uh, lead the Safako Mahato University very well and in the right direction. Now, with regard to what the university do, with regard to the governance, and especially relating to infrastructure projects, the university had a lot of committees of council. There would be a tender committee, there would be this committee, there would be that committee. And these committees did a lot of spade work, did a lot of good work. Meeting with management, listening to the presentations, checking whether processes were followed. And these committees would then come to report to council. So we had that uh, governance structure planning very well. And when committees then came with recommendations to council, we would then look at the reports from, from those committees either agree with their recommendations or disagree and give facts why we disagreed. So when uh, it emerged that there were 
some procurement processes that didn't go well, we were then uh, uh, advised to appoint a forensic team of investigators to investigate the non-compliance with the supply chain management policy and other procurement process of, processes of the university. SAB and T were appointed to conduct forensic investigations and their findings were that there was breach of the procurement policies by some staff members and service providers. Their, recommend, their recommendation was that disciplinary hearing should be held for the internal staff of the university as well as termination of services in respect of certain identified consultants who were assisting the university at the time. So council noted that at the time of implementing the recommendations of the forensic investigators, the affected university's internal staff members were no longer employees of the university, and as a result, the university had no jurisdiction over them. This was also supported by the legal opinion that we received. The university terminated the services of the affected consultants who had faltered the university's procurement processes. The forensic report, and this is what I wish to say also, did not reveal any wrongdoing on the part of the vice chancellor, Professor Mbati. If I may put it in simple terms, forensic report never fingered Professor Mbati as a culprit. So that is uh, trying to answer the question that was asked by Honorable Mkachwa. I don't know whether I've left another one out. I may be assisted in that regard. Okay, I think uh, I don't, I don't know. Chair, yeah? On the issue of council overstepping in terms of the remit of their mandate, there's an allegation or a view that council often played, over, often stepped into the remit of management's work. Yes or no? Oh, oh yes. No, no, no. We, we never did that. But what we did, Honorable Mukata, is that, as I alluded to that fact, we had subcommittees of council, which would then receive reports from management with regard to a, a lot of issues, like, as I said, the tender committee, the HR committee, finance committee, and so forth and so forth, student affairs committee and so forth and so forth. Now, these committees would meet with the senior management, say, for instance, with regard to tenders. They would meet with the senior management, consider the tenders before, before them, and if they thought they were not properly addressed or properly executed, they would then come to council to say, no, uh, council cannot look into this matter. It must be referred back to management for them to then effect the necessary changes and then be orderly and transparent and so forth. So sometimes they would not even come to council. They would reject them right there at the committee level. But if that was interfering in the management of the university, then I don't know, because we thought having committees like that was, was quite helpful. Uh, okay. to cancel. Yes. Sorry, Chair. And the last follow-up, and so the, the members of your council would have been then, you believe that your, your council was fit to then run these committees in terms of their qualifications, in terms of their experience. Do you believe you are a fully functional council? Yes, I have no doubt about that, uh, Honorable Patrick. Thank you, Chair. Okay, thank you, Mamsbia. Mm, thank you, Chairperson. 
Uh, the problem is that Babumaja uh, can't remember most of important issues which happened there. But uh, there was a, a labor court decision. Uh, he, he remembered that, but he can't remember the formal settlement. And does it mean, and the, the report from the SAPS, the SAPS said there is no sexual harassment at all between the two. Does it mean the matter was permanently closed now, Babu Maja? Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Yes, it was, it was closed, uh, honorable member. It was. Council decided that it couldn't prosecute the matter further on the basis of what I said in my earlier statements. Uh -huh. Okay, lastly, um, Mr. Maja, what is your qualifications? In academic qualifications? Yeah. I have a BA degree from uh, the University of Limpopo, formerly the North. Okay, so that is your only academic qualification? Yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. Um, Mr. Lavarimudisi, uh, who gave council a report, came to a conclusion that uh, there was a consensual sexual relationship. And this is the report that you say as council you accepted and you based your decision on, and uh, you, uh, you, you believe that report, you stand by that report. Is that the case? Yes. Okay, if this is the case, why didn't you defend this report when it was taken on review by Professor Bart? I thought you were talking about the, the final report that came to cancer. Yeah, <clears throat> that is a final report, yes. Uh, we said there was a consensual relationship. Yes. Yes. Why did council yeah. not defend that report? Because you believed in it. You used that report to, uh, to decide this matter. Why didn't we defend the report? Or mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't get the that question. Report, okay, let me just explain to you. Are you aware that that report was taken on review by Professor Mbati? Yes. Yes. Are you aware, yes. Mr. Okay. Yes, I am. My question is, why didn't you... My question is, why didn't you defend that report when it was taken on review? Because you are the first respondent. Well, I, if I remember well, Professor Mbadi took that report on review because he was alleging or claiming that there was never any sexual relationship between him and Professor Pendley. But you as counsel believe there was? Personally, I did. Yeah, but I'm saying, why didn't you defend the report in court? Well, it was neither here nor there, because if there was a consensual sexual relationship between Professor Mbadi and uh, Professor Pendley, it was none of council's 
business. It was their own business. <clears throat> uh, do you understand my question, Mr. Mach? Perhaps I don't understand. I am what asking why, why did council not defend the report of Mr. Lavaru Mudisi, which was taken on review by Professor Mbati? The same report which you accepted and you base your decision to exonerate Mbati. We, 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 we accepted the report, the final report, which said there was a consensual sexual relationship between the two. But when Professor Mbati took that on review, because he was not happy with the assertion that there was a sexual relationship, that was his own personal thing, not the council's decision. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to ask the question again. Do you understand my question? I think I do. That why did we I then... The report from Mr. Mudise comes to council. Council considers this report. Council uses this report to take a decision which ultimately exonerates the vice chancellor. And you accept a conclusion of the report that there was a consensual sexual relationship. Okay, we agree there. Yes. Now, why did you not defend the report when that report is challenged in court? The very conclusion that you accept was challenged in court. Why didn't you defend the report? Well, we didn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> convincing reasons perhaps for, for you why we didn't, but we accepted the report as presented to us. But when Professor Mbadi pursued a court process to, to clear his name, we thought that was a personal matter between him and, uh, and uh, the, the report. Okay. <clears throat> I think you understand my, my question, um, Mr. Maja. Yes, and I do. It's very simple. Why? Uh, this is not a personal matter. This is a Professor Mbati is your employee. He is challenging the basis upon which council has come to a conclusion to exonerate him. He's challenging council. There is no way that it can be personal because he's challenging the very reason why council took a decision to close the matter. And they, I, I, I assume that there is no explanation why council did not defend this report. Remember, Mr. Maja, Mr. Mudisa was appointed by council to be the mediator. He gave you the first report. You did not activate 5.2 as required by the policy. It had to wait for over four years. Court had to tell you to say, implement 5.2, you implemented 5.2. And the report was produced. So this was a council report. And then it gets challenged by Mbati. Your employee is challenging council and you did not defend it. Who was supposed to defend that report? Professor Mbati was not challenging council for having accepted the report. He was challenging that part of the report which said he had a sexual relationship with a Professor Pender in his personal capacity. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
But would you accept that that challenge goes to the core of the reason why the council exonerated him? Well, depending on how you look at it, Chair, it may be that way, but as council, we didn't look at it that way. Yeah. <clears throat> to a reasonable... What yeah. we have intended. Yeah. Let's look at it this way, because, you know, I, I don't want the committee uh, to develop an impression that you are denying the obvious. You see, let's look at it this way. Uh, you appoint, you commission a report. A report is presented to you. You believe the report, U.S. Council takes a decision about your employee. That decision is later on, not the decision. The report which you used to take a decision is your report, is challenged in court. That is why you are cited as the first respondent. But you don't defend that. Why? Well, Chair, uh, it's, it's pretty difficult for me to, to try to answer you satisfactorily. But what would have been uh, the purpose in defending the report? Because were we to go to court to say, Professor Mbati is not correct, you had a sexual relationship with Professor Pendler, and you would then continue to say no or yes. But take all the matter is, what would cancel then achieve as far as that is concerned? <coughs> My apologies. <clears throat> you don't go to court, uh, Mr. Maja. You don't go. You are dragged to court. Your employee takes you to court. The reports. No, no, you are the, you are the, 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 the council was, uh, the university was the first respondent. Yes. So your report was being challenged in court. Okay. Uh, and the very basis, because you see, if, uh, and as it has happened, the report was challenged, you did not uh, defend. So your reason for exonerating him no longer exists. You accept that? Well, as I say, Chair, I, 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 it depends on how you look at it. But I'm saying I would imagine counsel at that stage did not want to, to go to court to defend Laveromodice's report for the simple reason that it was neither here nor there. It would not, it would not affect the last final decision that was taken by council. No, but with due respect, uh, Mr. Maj, it does affect it. <clears throat> because remember, council accepted that there was a relationship. And on the basis of that, using the report, you close the matter, you exonerated him. Then he went to court to challenge. In fact, what he should have done, he should have also challenged your decision to exonerate him. But because it's benefiting him, he doesn't want to challenge it. He's challenging a report. But indirectly, it is your decision that is challenged. 
of exonerating him because you do accept that there was a relationship and therefore uh, you you regard the matter as closed. Yes, Chair, I would concede that uh, if you look at it that way, perhaps we were we were wrong not to, yeah. to defend. So what, what I'm driving at, what I want to find out is why would you not defend the report? Because I don't have any specific reason for that. Okay, let me put it to you, Mr. <clears throat> Mr. Major. Council took the report of the CGE on review. And now it has come out that it was not even cancelled. I don't know whether it was you, because the minutes of council says the council established a task team to inquire why there was a, a challenge without council having taken that decision. So it was quick for council to challenge a report which they did not even participate, despite the fact that they were asked to participate, to challenge that report, go to the Houting, the High Division of Court, of the, the Houting Division of the High Court. And when your own report is being challenged, you don't, you don't do anything about that. You think there's consistency in how you pursue legal matters as counsel. Well, Chair, let me concede because I don't want to pursue the matter and debate with you for the yeah. whole afternoon, but let me concede <coughs> that. See, was, for me, for me uh, Mr. Major, sitting at this position, evaluating everything that has come out, it leaves me with that conclusion in a very inescapable way that there was a working together between the Vice Chancellor and council. In fact, council was doing the bidding of the vice chancellor, protecting him. A report which is a negative on the vice chancellor, it gets challenged immediately by council. And the, the report which council has commissioned is challenged by the vice chancellor and council does nothing about it. So for me, I come to that conclusion that for a reasonable person, not, let me not say myself, for a reasonable person, you see a pattern of collusion between council, which was led by yourself and the vice chancellor. What do you say about that? If, if we add in certain respects, I, I concede perhaps we add, but there was never a question of collusion, outright collusion, between council and the, and the, and the vice chancellor. <clears throat> okay, let's move to the next point, uh, which the almost gonna be my final point. Uh, Mr. Lavari Mutisi was here, I think it was last week. It was last week or week before last. Um, he came, he told us that in his view, according to the information available to him, there was a, a sexual relationship which he thinks was consensual, uh, which you yourself as cancer came to a similar conclusion. Uh, Mr. Mavidula, who was here this morning, confirmed that there was a sexual relationship. Uh, but 
from his perspective, it needed to be determined whether this was consensual or was, was not consensual. <clears throat> and so in his view, the, the DC was gonna do that. Dr. Chitereke was with us. He confirmed that uh, uh, Professor Mbati confessed to him that there was a relationship between the two. Judge Mushwana in the case makes an observation that uh, uh, there was a relationship which might have went sour. And you, Chair, as counsel, has confirmed that you yourself believe there was a relationship. <clears throat> now, um, I want to ask you this question. Do you think as the as a professional, as the chairperson of council, former chairperson of council, that it is ethical and it is legally justifiable for Professor Mbati to have that relationship, a sexual relationship, whether consensual or not consensual, with a subordinate. Okay, I, I think I am right in saying uh, there's nothing wrong as far as that matter is concerned. If you consider the intermarriages that happen in the SAPS, for instance, just to give an example, or in the Defense Force, or in the public service, I don't think it's ethically not correct. It's not. There's no law that says the chief executive of an institution cannot fall in love with a subordinate. For as long as both of them agree that they are going to have a consensual relationship, there's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> Even when later on this relationship then uh, develops complications in a manner that there were issues between Professor Mbati and Professor Pendler to an extent that Professor Pendler then laid that complaint. You still think that it is ethical? I am saying it's ethical, Chair, but then it so happens that, as it happened in this particular case, that uh, the, the charge of corruption then led to this situation where the other affected party then raised issues of sexual harassment against the other because of the corruption that uh, she was facing. That's my belief, my personal belief. But with regard to the, 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 the issue being ethical or not, there is nothing, there's nothing ethical, unethical about it. So in your view, you don't see that there is a, there is a question of power relation, an even power relation between the two between a, an accounting officer who's a vice chancellor and a subordinate who is a dean? As I said, Chair, there's nothing unethical about it. There's no law that prohibits them from falling <clears throat> in. Yeah, but ethics is not about law, uh, Mr. Maja. 
um, you understand ethics. You understand what is the ethical conduct. I do, very well. But remember, even the gentleman from the CGE said there's nothing <clears throat> ethical about that. It's nothing unethical, mm. in your view. Yes, even the gentleman from the CGE confirmed that. <clears throat> okay, I think uh, maybe let's leave that. Uh, uh, let's leave that issue, whether you think it's ethical. You say it's not unlawful, but there's a difference between something that is unlawful and something that is unethical. You accept that? I do accept that. Yes, the law may allow that something may happen, but it may not be ethical in terms of the expected conduct uh, of a person who's occupying high office, who's occupying an influential office that comes with power, that comes with patronage, that comes with resources, to involve himself with a relationship with a junior. It's unethical, let me tell you that. What would you say to that? That's, that is your view, it's not mine, Chair. Okay. All right, let's move. <clears throat> Okay, uh, there are a number of things that you did not remember, uh, Mr. Major. <clears throat> you did not remember why it took four years for the second report of Mr. Modise to be um, submitted uh, to the university. You did not remember a number of things. <clears throat> I asked you a report, a question about why did council take a decision to challenge the CGE report? Your answer was that it was based on the information that you got from Professor Mbati. We will ask Professor Mbati whether did he say that, did he say he was not interviewed? You said that it was based on rumors of uh, uh, council members. <clears throat> and yet later on, it was a... Uh, please concentrate. And later on, it was pointed by Honorable Litsia that there was no such decision of council. And... Uh, that is a story that you manufactured when you responded to me. There was no such. Uh, you did concede that there was no such decision of council. That's why council had to establish a task team. A number of pertinent questions, which <clears throat> is contrary to your narrative that there was nothing wrong. You did not remember. Uh, so. I would like to put it to you, uh, Mr. Maja, that uh, you have not been very helpful. Uh, you have been evasive. You did not remember some of the things, and yet you could remember some of the, the, the key developments vividly. Um, you have been very evasive in answering the question. And I don't know sitting here, why would that be the case? So I would like to offer you the last opportunity to make comments before we then wrap up. 
Yeah, Chair, thank you very much. I appreciate what you are saying. But uh, as, as I said from the very beginning, and I have uh, said this to the Secretary of the Portfolio Committee, I said, if I don't have questions in advance, I may not then be helpful to the committee because I, I, I cannot remember all the details. I cannot remember the chronology of all the things that happened because we are not dealing with this specific matter all alone. We are dealing with a whole lot of matters of the university. And uh, I, I was sincere enough from the way to go to say, I may not remember all the details. And as I say, I also said to raise that with the secretary of the portfolio committee when he started phoning me to say, I must appear. I said, I am not going to be very helpful because I'm not going to remember all the things. I've done a lot of things after leaving the university, uh, such that I'm not. But had I received the questions, Chair, I would have then done my homework. I would have even driven to the university of Vendor to look for the right answers to the questions that would have been, would have been raised. But as of now, I, I, I do admit that some of the things I could not remember and uh, I would then plead that uh, you understand that particular perspective. I, I, I would have been very more helpful to the committee had I received questions so that I could have done my homework. But all the same, thank you for this opportunity. Okay, thank you. So the conclusion is that you did not prepare adequately. Is that what you are saying us? Pardon? I didn't hear that. You are saying you did not prepare adequately because you didn't have questions. Yes, correct. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you very much for coming. Uh, it was a bit of a longish one, uh, simply because you were the chair of council and there were questions that needed to be responded to by, by council. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Maja. You are excused. You can continue to listen or you can attend to your other matters. Thank you very much. Can we can we check if uh, Mrs. Mabusela is back? Mrs. Mabusela? Okay, uh, we seem to be having a problem uh, with Mrs. Mabusela. Anele, is the problem not fixed as yet? Using her phone, which she did. So it's just a matter of her unmuting the cell phone, but she's on the platform. The problem was with her laptop. I'm not sure why she's in Jefferson. She dialed in with this cell phone. So it's a matter of just here and meeting. Mrs. Mabusela, are you, can you hear me? Are you able to switch on your video? Okay, we are experiencing a problem now with the connectivity of Mrs. Mabusela.
Um, okay, maybe let's adjourn for about five minutes and once more try and see if we can get uh, Mrs. Mabusela on the platform. If uh, it doesn't succeed, uh, we might have to determine another way forward. <clears throat> we might have to decide to meet physically where Mrs. Mabusela would have to come to Cape Town. Uh, and that is going to be something that will, will delay us. Honorable Tsie, I see your hand is up. Yes, apologies, Chair. Um, now that we are struggling with Ms. Mabusela, and um, the last statement from Datemaja, uh, um, uh, he says he believes that the sexual harassment case was brought forward by Professor Pendl against Professor Mbati because uh, there was a there was a, a criminal case or or a corruption case against her. Is that what I, I want him to confirm that chair that he thinks there was no uh, sexual harassment? It was just a retaliation. Uh, is that what he, he was saying, uh, chair? Uh, we have already, already released him, Honorable Lizzi. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Uh, yeah, let's leave him. We have already released him. Uh, let's make our own conclusion there. <clears throat> I was just worried. It's a, it's a worrying, worrying, worrying comment. Yeah, look, there are a lot of things which are worrying, but I think we'll find time to evaluate the evidence. <clears throat> that we have already received from all the witnesses uh, and then take it from there. Uh, everybody who comes here, there is, an, uh, there is an oath that is administered or that person takes affirmation and there are implications for doing that. Yeah. So it's a matter that we will also evaluate when we evaluate all the evidences and decide uh, on what needs to be done. There are implications for that, uh, which are explained by the legal, uh, the, uh, an official from legal services when they administer the oath, they read out what does the oath means. True. Uh, so there must be an evaluation and uh, from there a decision what, what needs to happen. <clears throat> Mrs. Mabusela, are you still on the platform? Or oh, we are struggling with you? She's muted, Che. She's speaking, but she's muted. She's speaking now. Yeah, but she's muted. There seem to be. I think let's give her the last opportunity and break for about seven minutes. We'll be back at one. So we will be left with 30 minutes. Uh, so if we are not able to uh, finish with Mrs. Mabusela, she will have to come back tomorrow uh, because we, we are really struggling with connectivity. And uh, normally we request that those who are coming, they should make sure that uh, they are able to have better connectivity, their gadgets should be working in perfect condition. And so, yeah, let's say uh, again, we'll be back at one members.
score and have a body break, grab something quickly, and be back at one. Thanks, Chair. Remember, Busala, there's a button there of mute. If you can just press it. Remember, Busela, why you why you press stop video? Press next to it. There's a mute button. If you can press that, it will work. Yeah, honorable. Say, I think the issue is the um, the mic in here, laptop. Mm. Yeah, that's the main issue. Yeah, but it doesn't assist us. And then I ask her to dial in uh, using her mobile phone. Um, so I'm hopeful that we can hear her because she's in the platform uh, using her mobile phone. Abule phone, very simple.
Okay, um, we're back now. Um, uh, I see Mrs. Mabusela's mic is on, so she's no longer muted. <clears throat> Can you ask Mrs. Mabusela to switch on the video? Okay, can you can you hear me, Mrs. Mavusela? Oh, we still have a problem with sound. Uh, we can we can see you, but we can't hear you. Uh, <clears throat> I think we 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 will have to adjourn, members. Uh, we've tried everything else to get Mrs. Mabusela to join the meeting on a virtual platform, but <clears throat> there seemed to be still a problem with the with the, the mic. Uh, we can see her, we can see that she's there, uh, but she we can't hear what she has to say, uh, despite the fact that the the mic is unmuted, uh, so there are connection problems on the side. So I'm going to advise that we adjourn now, and then we start again tomorrow. Uh, if tomorrow we can start early, say at half past eight, and we start with Mrs. Mabusela, and uh, we allow her between now and tomorrow morning to try and source a proper gadget um, that she can use tomorrow. She can even test it before tomorrow morning at half past eight. Um, <clears throat> we start with her from half past eight. Um, and then later on, we then receive presentation from or the testimony of uh, two other witnesses. We'll receive a formal briefing from the department. And then there's a, so I don't expect it to go beyond uh, 1330, beyond half past one. So if we do start at half past eight tomorrow with Mrs. Mabusela, we should be able to to be done with all the three witnesses tomorrow. <clears throat> I hope you can hear me, Mrs. Mabusela. There's not much that we can do today. As you can see that uh, we can't talk to you. I'm sure you can hear us, uh, but we're unable to, to have a conversation because there seems to be a problem with your, with your gadget that side. So members, I'm going to suggest that uh, we call it a day and uh, we see each other tomorrow. In any case, we're supposed to finish at half past one. Uh, there is a sitting today, this afternoon. Uh, my apologies. So there's a sitting uh, at two o'clock.
if I'm not mistaken. So um, thank you very much, everybody, for coming. Uh, I don't know whether we should apologize, uh, but I guess let's not do that. Uh, for not being able to speak to Mrs. Mabusela because it looks like the problem is on her side. But I'm sure she understands that uh, we have to reschedule today and uh, consider her evidence tomorrow morning. Uh, we, uh, these inconveniences are unavoidable because we have to conclude with part A on Friday when we receive Professor Mbati's evidence. So I hope uh, Mrs. Mabusela, you do understand that there is nothing we can do. Uh, We're going to post to adjourn today and continue tomorrow. Honorable Zia, you want to say something before we adjourn? Yes, Chair, in the spirit of fairness, uh, I think uh, uh, Mr. Maja would have said uh, he, he can get us some information he was not able to give today. So in the interest of fairness, maybe let's also give him that opportunity uh, to send us that information. I don't want to chair uh, witnesses to say that we have others we gave opportunities to give us information after they've testified and we did not extend that uh, um, that invite or that hand to Mr. Manja. So this information, because a lot of information he could not remember. Uh, so maybe let's give him that opportunity chair, to also finish us with that information. Uh, as, you know, there, I, I'm sure he knows the ones that he did not respond to. Thank you very much. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I think that would be fair enough to Mr. Maja. If you think that uh, there is information that you need to bring to our attention, uh, please do so. Uh, in respect of uh, the questions that were raised and uh, the fact that you were not able to respond to all of them. But please do know that uh, if there is new evidence that is introduced, you might have to call you back again. Uh, to consider that because we can't talk to the documents. We, we can only talk to yourself to confirm whatever that is on the documents. Yeah, but we do afford you that opportunity uh, to give us that. I guess honorable members and everybody on the platform, let's call it a day. We will proceed to start with Mrs. Mabusela tomorrow morning at half past eight. We can move from half past eight to half past one. I think we should be able to finish with all the witnesses. Uh, tomorrow, we will manage time a little bit better than how we did it today. Uh, but we needed to probe those matters that uh, were, were there today. Thank you very much, uh, honorable members and everybody on the platform. Uh, have a good afternoon. Thank you. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Long live the chair. Yeah, long live the chair. Thank you.